0: Bobby Hurley up the floor with Leitner. They throw it to the left of the floor. Leitner catches, comes down, dribbles, shoots, scores!
1: Hello and welcome to another 2.1 Seconds to Madness, your college basketball podcast. It's been a while since I've said that, but here we are once again. I am Russell Hainline. We do not have KBAD with us uh, this go around, but for those of you who uh, listened to the show when it was a regular show a couple of years ago and beyond, uh, I've been talking to KB about uh, getting the show back going this coming season. I don't know whether that'll be every week. I don't know whether it'll be, you know, every few weeks uh, what we're going to do, but uh, we've been texting back and forth. We both really miss talking to one another about college hoops, uh, and it seems like we're going to be back in the game, baby. So uh, very, very excited about that. So all of you who, for whatever reason, are still subscribed to a show that very, very infrequently posts, thank you very much. Remain subscribed. We'll have some cool stuff coming uh, next season, uh, fingers crossed. But for now, I have a fantastic guest. Uh, Very, very excited to have him on. Uh, I have been listening to his show nearly since uh, its inception. Uh, I had the good pleasure of getting to hang out with this fella in Vegas uh, a little bit. And uh, hopefully uh, Thanksgiving for the Duke Gonzaga game, I'll be able to... uh, snag him and get some more hot tips uh he definitely helped me be a winning sports gambler during my last visit to vegas and you too can be a winning sports gambler if you listen to his podcast uh with his buddies kai and matt the three-man weave podcast and their website 3 that's the correct uh address i believe oh, yeah. jim root of the three-man weave jim great to have you here
0: it's great to be here. I, I'm happy to sub in for, for you Hollywood boys. You know, you're too busy in the business. <laughs> Sometimes you got to get us us boring guys and nothing else going on besides talking hoops. We're happy to, to fill in when we're needed.
1: KB is very busy uh, and obviously across the uh, continent from me. So scheduling can be very difficult. Uh, but yeah, we'll get that going. But man, uh, if I can tag team anybody in, uh, very, very happy to have uh, one of you boys from the three man weave uh anytime anybody asks me when they're like when's your podcast coming back and i say i don't know they're like well what do we listen to i always say three-man weave um out there doing the promo gotta get that promo going (laughs) um you know before we get started we're gonna do some nba mock draft stuff today uh which i'm really excited about we don't really get to talk about these players as nba prospects uh truly but but this time of year uh Real quick, I just wanted to ask, you know, uh, do a quick intro of you for our listeners who may not know you or know your podcast. You know, when Kenny and I set out to do our show, you know, we did it because we wanted to talk hoops. Yeah, but we wanted to sort of zag away from where everybody else was zigging. You know, all the big shows are talking about, like, who's underrated? Can this coach win the big one? Is LeVar Ball a monster? You know, like all these things. And we sort of said right at the beginning, we would always uh, make sort of our mission statement that we wanted to talk about games that we actually watch, like break down games, actually watch games, actually talk about the games themselves. And so when you, Kai, and Matt started Three Man Weave, did, did you all have a mission statement or a goal beyond just recording fun hoops chat with the boys?
0: the the way we put it i think was let's make the pod we wanted to listen to like let, let's let's hear more about the on the court stuff like you said there's a ton of pods out there that do a really good job of breaking down the narratives and they're they're well sourced so they've got you know inside information from people in within the college basketball industry but what we knew was like actually watching basketball playing basketball we, none of us played division one, but we, we did uh, play at club in the college level. We both played high level lo- or all three of us played high level high school basketball. So that was what we wanted to focus on. And I think there's a, there's always been a really solid portion of an NBA analysis that does that, that breaks down what's happening on the court and has really just focused on what's happening there. And we didn't feel like it was out there yet for college basketball, or we hadn't found it yet. I mean, obviously your pod was out there. We, we weren't, ultra familiar then. Uh, but now we are, and we love that. And yeah, it's, it's just nicer to have some of the people like, like yourself and us trying to fill that niche that we didn't think was there before And uh, the college basketball podcast world has definitely filled up since then.
1: I definitely love that you all talk about mid majors. We tried where whenever we could, obviously there are a lot more options now of watching mid major basketball than when we started our show in like 2013 or whatever. Um, which is really awesome. Uh, certainly you guys help hit me to a lot of the teams that are a lot of fun. Uh, one of the things that I have always really liked about your show is that, you know, when, when Kenny and I would pick games and we'll probably still do this next year, we would just pick like who we think is the straight up winner. But very often we just agree, right? You know, and, and very often we just pick the favorite because that's the exciting and uh, <laughs> I use that very sarcastically thing to do. Uh, you all pick against the spread when making your picks generally rather than picking outright winners most of the time. And I really think that following gambling and spreads has really enormously under uh, expanded my understanding of the game, uh, especially as it pertains to like every sports fans ongoing struggle, not to overreact, not to underreact dealing with like, you know, trends and performance against expectation rather than doing the whole like the example I always use is like Villanova lost to Furman, so Furman must be top twenty-five. You know, like, yeah. you know, uh, and so I really think that your show's a sanity check in sort of that festering pool of hot takes, and certainly that's that's helped me learn a lot about uh, basketball. And it's uh, like I said before, it's helped me win a little bit of money sometimes yeah. too. So that's uh, not too shabby either.
0: Yeah, that's I would never try to force someone to get into the gambling side of things. Like it's it's certainly. You know, give or take some it's just not for everybody. Sometimes it's not even for me. Sometimes it frustrates me like crazy, but I do think it is a great indicator of how a team's actually performing like a team can win seven games in a row, but if they're winning by one, two, three, one, one, maybe they're not really performing up to expectations. They are actually a little frustrating. There's something wrong underneath the surface that doesn't stand out when you just see their record. And we, and we like kind of seeing that performance versus expectations. Cause I think that is a, a truer reflection of how the team is playing in that current set of games.
1: And I think those, those people who listen to certainly a lot of the people who listen to my show, uh, to me and KB's show uh, early on, wanted to do brackets, right. Wanted to sort of prepare that way and sort of, Knowing what the signs are of regression, knowing, you know, the the people who maybe are are due for a run, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, again, even if you're not putting money on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've i learned so, so much from following those spreads. It really can't be uh, understated. You know, speaking of spreads, you know, I we have a segment on our show uh, called The Onion's Upset of the Week, right, uh, where we would just – and normally what I would do is, like, I would just pick – an unranked team who is at home against a lowly ranked team. And it's, that's like not even really an upset. And I think now probably if we went back and listened a lot of them would not have been against the spread upsets, Uh, but you all, you know, sometimes we'll pick true upsets, right. when it comes to picking, you know, upsets against the spread or even money line picks against favorites, are are there certain indicators that
0: you look for? Um, That's, that's been a challenge for us trying to figure that we, we actually tried to do a little more of it behind the scenes last year to see if like we could, on a, on a relative basis based on the lines, like actually come away with a profit just doing money line stuff. And it was a little harder than we anticipated. Um, but you, you look for teams that are in like bad travel spots. If the favorites, you know, playing their third road game in a row or something like that, like that or they're, they're playing against a team that is really high variance. If the underdog is really high variance with low possessions or high three-point shooting rates. Those are really big. Just something that increases the variance of the game that gives the underdog a little more of a chance we we always uh matt always talks about the giant killer formula come ncaa tournament time sure and that's like trying to zero in on the 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 low seed team that really has a chance to pull off the upset and usually is those types of things the 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 slow tempo the high three pointers creating extra possessions via turnovers or offensive rebounding those are always really big so stuff like that is what we're usually aiming for there
1: yeah uh and uh Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you don't have, I don't think you have your book in front of you. I feel like the last time that you were doing on your show, I don't think it was last season. I think it would have been the season before where you were basically talking about your picks, you know, consistently and you were posting them on Twitter and whatever. So I followed them, you know, kind of to the letter, you know, for that season. And if I recall correctly, the beginning of the season crushed, like you guys absolutely destroyed. You totally had it. And then by the time conference play came about, uh, things got a lot trickier obviously the uh, the lines got a lot uh more savvy you know as it were um early in the season do you feel like the just the fact that you follow mid-major in particular as closely as you do I, I'm assuming that makes you feel like you've got a decent amount of edge against the line at the start of the year
0: that's exactly it yeah it's there, there's an information edge I think that we have because we we write a preview for all 358 teams on our website. We're assigning a rating to each team and it, we just are putting more time into it than the books. are. I mean, it's during football season. Most of the time the books are not, it's not the most important thing to them at that point that their limits aren't huge on college basketball. They're, they're more focused on college football and NFL. So yeah, usually by the time it's like late January and then really into to February is when we kind of hit, hit like a huge wall. Uh, it's just, the, the books have a lot more information about the teams like you said, the lines get sharper. It gets a little more uh, delicate on how you're trying to, to make those make those bets. But, yeah, early in the season, I think if you are willing to put in the time in the offseason, even if you just pick a couple conferences to really zero in on it and get to know better than somebody who's trying to figure out all these teams, in addition to doing other sports, you, you probably are going to find yourself with an edge early on.
1: And if you'd like to win some money doing that, I strongly recommend going to the Three Man Weaves website, reading these previews. They're also, I'm so glad you mentioned the word preview as you all are starting to post your top 40 uh, previews, detailed breakdowns of your sort of consensus top 40, uh, always a highlight of the sort of college basketball reading journalism year. Um, So I'm very excited to see how that plays out you said you have Florida in your top 40, which, you know, just sent a cold shiver down my spine. Uh, You know, just always going back to the well. It's, it's,
0: (laughs) they're not high in the top 40. That's what I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) I'm reminded a
1: line from a Brokeback mountain. I wish I knew how to quit you. You know, that's, that's how it feels. Uh, All right. Enough of this. Let's talk some NBA draft stuff. So basically what we're going to do uh, for those of you who have heard NBA mock drafts with me and Kenny in the past, uh, Jim and I are going to do essentially the same thing we're going to go through the first round we're going to say who we would pick, that way you know who our first rounds would be, and Jim I guess I didn't mention this to you in the email but I, I feel like it was implied, we're going with what you would do, not with what we expect people would do.
0: Okay, right. good. I- I've, I've tried to research as much as I could on that stuff, but yeah, now that that makes it a little easier if I can just go based on opinion.
1: Yeah. And I mean, uh, certainly I'm going to have to go with a little bit of consensus people when it comes to like the overseas people, since I know like nothing about them ever. Up, you don't,
0: you're, you didn't walk in with Alper and Shengun just takes ready to rock.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> the fact that you knew how to, pronounce his name presumably correctly just then uh, makes you normally I would just give KB the uh, the Euro guys and I would give him any any of the Rocos, anybody with like <laughs> accents uh, in the last name you know it, 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 he'd always give some good uh, pronunciations there let's start with our number one pick I mean I think we're gonna agree on this one I, I have Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma
0: State oh yeah I'm right along with you I think he's basically the consensus across the board it, for for those that are fans of odds, I think he's like minus ten thousand to go first. It seems pretty well <laughs> pretty well uh, accepted that he's going to be number one pick. But I can't help but agree with it. He's awesome. There's there's not a lot of way around it.
1: So I, I, I've already gotten a little bit of pushback because I I tweeted uh, um, there was that rumored trade, uh, which again may have just been total bullshit, but of uh, Oklahoma City offering uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander and the sixth pick for the first overall pick and Detroit rumored to have said no to that. And certainly, I mean, uh, Shea scored what 23 points a game last year, looked very good on admittedly a very bad team. And I sort of just came back with like, yeah, but if like you think he's an all-star, but you think Cade is a superstar, then like the sixth pick in this draft is not moving that needle enough because like Cade, I, I would say like, Let's, let's put it this way. In the last, let's say, since you started doing this, out of all the college prospects that you've seen, how highly in the last six, seven years would Cade go in terms of NBA prospects?
0: Just college guys. Like Zion was better. For sure. I mean, he Zion was, just... was
1: probably number one out of anyone that I can think of of the yeah. last like decade.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if you, I, I'm not sure if he's within that decade or not, Anthony Davis would be right up there. Oh, yeah.
1: Anthony Davis, I think, would have technically been right in a decade. Sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I, I hadn't like detail scouted Luka Doncic, but every person that I trust on Twitter was just raving about the guy they're like there's just no way to, to say he's going to be bad and sure so I, I would imagine he would have been ahead of him. but I, I think Kate is, is right up there. There's been some differing opinions on some of the podcasts I've listened to about how close to superstar potential he is, but I'm pretty on board with it. and it's just from like a positional value standpoint in the NBA, having your lead creator be this jumbo guard that can pass, shoot, basically do everything offensively, That's really valuable, especially come playoff time when you you can have, like, a star perimeter guy taking control of the ball. I sort of said
1: uh, this was, like, my super reductive comparison, which is not perfect at all, but is good for people who, like, don't really watch college sports at all. I was kind of like, imagine a 6'8", Ben Simmons skinnier, but but somebody who can pass a lot, you know, do a lot of things, but who also has alpha mentality and can also shoot 40% from three, right? Like if you can take a guy who is an all-star today <laughs> and then add 40% from three shooting and a willingness to shoot in those big moments, I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, he, he's not the defender that Ben is. But then again, in college, Ben was not a good defender either, right? Yeah. Like, it was effort, obviously, from from Ben there. But, like, I think Kate has just shown so much everywhere. He can be a multi-positional defender. He's a high IQ defender. He's in the right position. Obviously, made multiple end-of-game clutch baskets at Oklahoma State. Obviously, he was facing a lot of double-team stuff at Oklahoma State. Um, certainly when he was in high school, I think he could, he showed that he could lead a very talented roster. He could facilitate. I've I've heard some people sort of question the facilitation. I don't buy that at all. I mean, like look at who he was playing with last year. I mean, what, like Avery Anderson is a good enough college player, but he's not exactly like, you know, the number two option on a top five seed, right? Like that's, that's Cade.
0: know, yeah, yeah. no one, no one else on that team was making shots. So it was just so easy to send doubles at him and and kind of dare him to make passes. And he traditionally would make them. But if the shots aren't going in, the the other team's not really threatened by it. Uh, The other thing about him that I've just heard over and over again, including from a friend of mine that coached at Montverde in high school. Oh,
1: inside source.
0: Oh, yeah. He's just like an absolute home run off the court. Like he is an awesome kid to be around. He's hyper competitive. He works his butt off he's just like very kind with his time and like just kind of everything you want in terms of a off the court evaluation. When you go everything else that he does on the court, it seems like just uh, not, you know, it's not risk-free. It's the number one pick in the NBA draft, but sure. I, it seems like a really good selection there at the top.
1: I still feel like you're, you're, this is a very high floor, high ceiling guy, like where even his worst case scenario, unlike some of the other guys in the top four that I still think have big all-star potential. Maybe their their floors are a little lower, but Cade is just uh yeah, he's a beast, man. <laughs>
0: yep. Yep.
1: 100%. All right, enough raving about Cade. You can you can listen to some other be- Did anybody on Oklahoma State shoot 35% from
0: 3 other than Cade? I, I don't have that,
1: that I don't have that in front of me, but I would guess no.
0: Isaac likely went 8 of 18. So that's oh, technically okay. well, 44%, I... but yeah, no. No nobody else was uh, above Thirty-three.
1: Also, if you if you had that, I, I'm hoping you had that committed to memory. Don't don't tell me that you have that page open. Just tell me that you know all of the stats of the Oklahoma State players for last year from memory.
0: I played the fifth. I played the fifth here. You did win the Jeopardy.
1: Uh, you That's know the three-man weave Jeopardy. I I felt <laughs> bad for posting that picture. I posted a picture from. Uh, lavar burton's first uh time hosting jeopardy because one guy set the record for the lowest score in the history of jeopardy on lavar burton's first ever game and so i edited it and put matt's name on the uh guy who finished last i felt kind of bad matt earned that that. (laughs) (laughs) it was a low blow but it was also low-hanging fruit it was right there and i was bored all right uh number two pick houston Uh, I, I said first, even though it wasn't a surprise, I said first last time, who would you go with uh, at number two for Houston?
0: I I personally probably would go Mobley just because I know more about him. It it seems like the, the consensus is that they're going to go Jalen green. I am not super familiar with him because he didn't play college. I've just read some articles and watched some clips, but I haven't watched full games of Jalen green to know just exactly how good of a player he is. I think Mobley is like almost a can't miss type of prospect too. So I would personally go Mobley, but that doesn't seem to be the case. What what about you?
1: Yeah. So I did watch a number of the ignite games uh, because I was really interested in how it was going to go. And obviously like potentially, if it was a really good product, what it would mean for my beloved college basketball, et cetera. Um, I think there's an argument to be made that Jalen green is Maybe even oh god, that this would be a bit of a bold take if I said it, but due to his athleticism and plus just his position and the importance of shot creation in the NBA today, I feel like there's a world in which he is the highest ceiling prospect in the draft period, but he just has a much lower like base than Cade does, right? Like I I think there's a world in which if everything goes right for Jalen, he's also a superstar. Uh, just there are some more red flags right now than than Cade has. But uh, I went ahead and put Jalen Green as my number two pick, not necessarily because he'd be number two on my personal board, but because for Houston, because they're in such a hard reboot right now, like you've got to go guys that can put the ball in the basket. You've got to go guys that are very, very high ceiling. Jalen Green is probably the best athlete in the draft, just straight up. Uh, really, really explosive. I mean, Zach Levine, I know, is a comparison that's been sort of thrown out there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if on Houston, if they drafted Jalen Green, like, there's a good chance he could be like an 18 to 20 point per game scorer, like on a bad team right away, like like year one. Uh, monster athlete. Uh, very quick twitch. Uh, not a good defender right now, but very high potential on that side of things as well. I mean, I think if he, if he got into it, he could probably switch one through three. Um,
0: and, you the, know, the, like, yeah. yeah. The thing that has jumped, jumped out to me and just what I've seen is the, the, the types of plays he will try, like doesn't always succeed at them, but some of the dunks he goes for some of like the spinning layup type stuff. It's just yep. like such a supreme confidence in himself and his, his own athletic ability, which is like you said, probably totally the highest in the draft. And I think that matters like believing in, in yourself to that degree and having that physical ability. Yeah. I, I think that's pretty impressive. And I guess he can shoot too. So that helps.
1: Yeah. He's uh he's a little streaky uh, from distance at least uh, pretty good from mid range from what I've seen, but like, I, I know I just brought up Zach Levine. Think about what Zach Levine was at 18 in the pack 12 Right. And he wasn't the scorer in the pac 12 that Jalen green was in the G league, which is so much better than the pac 12. Right. Like, so Jalen green scored like 18 points per game in the G league, which is the second most talented league you can play in, in America. Right. Like, so that is really, really hard to ignore, even from somebody like me who probably has somebody else on my big board higher. Um, you know, a lot of these Houston and Oklahoma city picks are not necessarily the guys that I think are higher on my big board, but a lot of the ones on the shitty teams are just going to be like, we got to swing for the fences, baby. We, we got to get these stars. And uh, he definitely qualifies. I do think that Mobley is a, a very good pick there as well. And wouldn't surprise me. Um, I guess I can talk a little bit. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit more about Mobley since we're right there. And then I can just bl- blow past it when I get to Mobley.
0: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious what you think of the, uh, the GM or the exact quote that came out lately. That was like Mobley is Chris Bosh on offense and AD on defense, which is just like, you know, a, a ludicrous idea of a player because that's yeah. a Hall of famer immediately. I think that's an interesting ceiling outcome on both ends of the court for him, but yeah, he was so dominant on both ends. I mean, Enfield's teams had never finished higher than 49th in Ken Palm. And with him, they finished sixth. Like he was a total difference maker for what they did (laughs) on both sides. Ridiculous shot blocker. He's such a fluid athlete for how big, for how big he is. They would give him the ball in space at times, let him create off the dribble. Like it's not just catch ball in the paint and dunk, throw up a half hook. Like he actually can move with it. He can hit a little bit of a mid range jumper. I'm just, I I was super impressed by him. I, I was told by a lot of people when he was joining or coming to college that he was going to be more of a project and he was way more ready than anyone really had prepared me for. And it was just incredible to watch. I think he's got super high upside.
1: I got to see some of him and Isaiah in high school. Uh, and I kind of thought at least from what I saw that, yeah, Isaiah seemed a little more polished at the time that Evan was again, certainly the, the higher ceiling guy. Uh, but man, I, I forget, God, where was it that I saw there was a, there was an event in Long Beach where Isaiah Mobley was straight up one of like the two best players there. Um, And I was a big, big fan of, uh, of his as well. I don't think he's going to play into the draft here, but yeah, uh, when it comes to the Chris Bosh, Anthony Davis stuff that people bring up, I know that that always sounds like hyperbole, because if you take it at face value, it is, I usually like to use a phrase. Like I say, like the diet Coke, this player, or if it's even lower than that, the Coke zero, this player. Right. (laughs) And I do think that you could pitch me that Evan Mobley is diet Coke, Chris Bosh on offense and diet Coke, Anthony Davis on defense. And then you're not talking about an instant hall of famer. You are talking about a guy who's a multi-year all-star and all NBA type big. And I do think that that's certainly the sort of thing you might be looking at with Evan Mobley. Um, I also wrote down the defense rankings under Andy Enfield. Um, <laughs> you guys are just such great friends with uh, Andy Enfield on the three man Weave podcast. Um, yeah. I mean, I think oh, that if, if we want to talk also about, you know, I, I mentioned Cade and like where you rank him with the other prospects. I mean, I feel like you would put Evan Mobley along with the Carl Anthony Towns, the DeAndre Ayton, the Joel Embiid. I mean, coming out of college, I think he was better than Ayton in college as an all around player potentially. And that, you know, and we see what Ayton is only a couple of years later. I mean, like that doesn't mean it's going to be immediately like that, but the defense is so smooth an exceptional rim protector. Uh, He's got pretty good handles for a big, a good passer for a big, a little bit of, potential as a guy who can stretch the floor a little bit I, I guess i have like a a little concern when it comes to drafting bigs really early on unless you think it's going to be a chris bosh or unless you think like i know uh, on the most recent san Vicini mock draft they talked about the idea that like you know that because Giannis was so huge uh and you know seemed so versatile and seemed to do so many things even without a jumper that like could uh, evan mobley be the sort of guy that somebody could use like that and it's not impossible uh it, i i see the appeal but generally speaking when it comes to bigs i mean we've seen that carl anthony towns hasn't been able to break through really we've seen that you know joel Embiid, for as terrific as he was last year again there's been just a little bit of a ceiling when your team is is led by sort of a a pure big man if, if you think he's a chris bosh or a Giannis, you obviously take him a lot earlier. Um, But yeah, that's why I I would tend to have guys that are guards a little higher on my big board.
0: Yeah, it's a positional value thing. Totally agree. I mean, even someone as as great as Giannis didn't really break through until Chris Middleton started hitting every big shot late in games. You know, you need that because you can't just throw him the ball and say, get a basket the way you can a LeBron or a Dwayne Wade or somebody that's attacking from the perimeter and is good off the bounce. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's up there with that class of bigs that you were saying the Carl the Anthony Towns, DeAndre Aiden type guys, but you know, it, it is not quite the most premium of positions. It's like in, in the NFL, you want to draft quarterback first, even if there is like a marquee running back on the board.
1: I do think that any of these three guys that we have named already would have been the number one pick in last year's draft.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably where I land too. And, and Lamelo last year was, you know, kind of his own beast and ended up going three. But it seems like he's kind of the clear best guy out of that draft. He was
1: the number. He was the number one on my board. Um, but he he's a lot better than what I saw of him in high school because, man, he was atrocious in a lot of ways at high school. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, he seemed yeah. to
0: figure it out abroad. But yeah, I, I'm I'm with For you. Sure. I would probably take Mobley ahead of of Lamelo at least at draft time, not having seen Lamelo's rookie year. Speaking of number one
1: picks, uh, uh, I'm drinking a beer here inspired by uh, my favorite number one pick of all time, Kyrie Irving. I'm drinking a Flat Earth uh, IPA, which is also from Cleveland, Ohio, funny enough. So, uh, you know, what a great what a great pairing that is feels appropriate for today. Uh, speaking of Cleveland, uh, they have the number three pick. Uh, who would you take here at number three?
0: That's if if, um, if i uh, so was on you, two, on my... your
1: board. Yeah. So if, if Mobley yep. is two.
0: Then yeah, Jalen Green for me here. uh, It's a lot worse fit here, so I think it probably makes more sense for Cleveland if they're getting Mobley, just because they've already got Colin Sexton and Darius Garland in the backcourt. There's differing reports on what they'll do with Sexton; he's kind of up for uh, up for an extension, but I I think that Jalen Green is is the top three, like you said, are are different on a different plane. So I I think you got to go go with him. Here's where my
1: like here's where my big board bias towards players that I think are like definitely super good right away and are, and are less, maybe, maybe less upside than some other guys, but are like really, really firm. I I feel like you let Sexton walk and you draft Jalen Suggs here. Uh, I would love Jalen Suggs next to Darius Garland. I mean, certainly Garland being a little bit shorter, uh, maybe being a little bit more prone to playing, uh, like off ball then maybe we've seen some like he could they could definitely both be both right they could both be a combo guard they could both be the primary uh sort of creator for others suggs certainly has really good size and can defend a little bit where uh, the players that garland on the perimeter cannot uh i think that they make a bit more of a natural fit together than sexton and garland anyway i do feel like sexton just sort of wants to be like the guy with the ball in his hands at all time, who goes, 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 which is what we loved about him in college. uh, But certainly it maybe has made him at times a little frustrating in the pros. Um, But Jalen Suggs, uh, he would honestly, I know he doesn't have the upside of like Mobley. So I probably should have Mobley at number two on my board. It'd be really hard for me to pass on Suggs, even at number two. um, If I was in a position where I like wanted to win right away, You know, very few one-and-done point guards have the feel that he has. I mean, like, he's got to, like, I'd have to go back and look. I should have looked a little bit more before this. But, like, top five to seven of the last decade in terms of point guards that, like, right away, just, like, you feel like they get it. Uh, He's not sped up. He's patient. Uh, I mean, f- people could argue he's surrounded by like more talent than anybody else. <laughs> last year, yeah. his, his, like, his
0: situation versus Cade's is very different. <laughs>
1: well, of course. And which is why I would have Cade obviously above Jalen yeah. and, you know, and I think it's a fair argument, but I also think that it tr- translates to some extent. I mean, like, because he's a guy that is going to get other people involved. I mean, I think it would have been very easy for guys talented as him to try to look for his own thing a lot more. And he, he, f- And he was happy to feed Timmy. He was happy to feed Kispert. He was happy to like get people involved. Uh, Also a really strong on-ball defender, I think. A high motor guy, great energy, Uh, a real alpha dog. We obviously saw he's very willing to take shots at the end of games. Um, The perimeter jump shot I know is like the concern that people have. But like, you know, in the tier A games on Ken Palm, he shot 43% from three on over 4 attempts a game. He shot 38% from three on four attempts a game against tier a and tier B opponents. I mean, that kind of tells me that like, he's a guy that wants the lights on, you know, and, and that it will perform when the lights are on. And that's a guy that you want, you know, that's just, that's just a guy you really need. And again, I, I probably would have taken him number one overall last year as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a big, big Jalen Suggs guy. I I know that going into the season, he wasn't necessarily seen as like a top five guy. um, But man, it was just hard to not watch those games and just like really fall in love with the dude, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's kind of the one that unlocked the upside of that team. Like it, when, when he got hurt, I think it was against West Virginia and he went out totally and was kind of like wait a second. Maybe this that was a scary game. Yes. Terrifying. Uh, but he, he's I mean, he's. Awesome. He's got that, you know, the two sport thing where he was a quarterback and in a high level process, he was a quarterback.
1: That. I didn't mention that.
0: I, I, I know it's, it's overplayed, but I do think it matters <laughs> in terms of like, the, I, I agree. I the agree. Physicality And, and the leadership and, and the competitiveness. Uh But yeah, you know, maybe you can say that without mentioning that he's a quarterback uh, uh, maybe that's just overblown
1: (laughs) no no I don't think it's overblown and I honestly one of the things that I would maybe knock Mobley for a little bit is like he never struck me as like I'm the vocal alpha dog give me the ball right now guy right like and it's hard to be that as a big man granted right but like Jalen Suggs even on a team with the most talented players in the NCAA was not shy about like we are doing this, <laughs> you know, like you could, you could see him out there barking around as a guy with people a lot older than him. And and that to me is just so impressive.
0: Yeah. That's the, the like the lack of mean streak for Mobley or assertiveness at times is definitely a knock on him. The, the talent is all there. It's totally just, is is the mental part as there like, the Competitive edge, does he have the same thing that the Jalen Suggs does?
1: I mean, I guess people still kinda sorta at times knock Anthony Davis for that as well. Whether I don't think it's fair, but like people do say it. Yeah, we don't we don't get into it on our podcasts because we don't deal in ridiculous narratives, but you know it's it's something that people talk about. Uh number four, Toronto. Uh I would have Evan Mobley here for sure. Uh, And maybe that's also just in part because he would be the perfect fit in Toronto. Like they need a center so, so desperately. And he would be phenomenal there right away. Like I think if he somehow falls to four and I'm not convinced that he does, but if he does, I think regardless of what Lowry does, they are probably a playoff
0: team next year in the east like yeah, have one of the best defenses in the league right there with him and then siakam and van vliet in the backcourt and Ananobi. i mean like oh, man. oh gee that's <laughs> right just yeah a, it's
1: an insane like just plug in someone at point guard at that point you know what i mean like yeah I, I i would be in love with that roster i'd be hammering whatever the over on the projected number of wins would be if mobley got there um so maybe that's me projecting a little bit, but yeah, we already talked about Mobley a little bit. I'm assuming at four here, you would have Suggs, presumably. Yep, yep, yep. same
0: top four as you. So I would go Suggs there.
1: I would be very surprised. I know people are sort of whispering about Scotty Barnes in the top four. I'd be really surprised, dude. Like,
0: yeah, it, that, I'm not going to say it feels like smoke screeny. I'm sure they're doing due maybe. diligence and checking it out, but I just think those four guys are the four... There's certainly some pods I've listened to and some people in the know that don't think it's, the, it's that separate for the top four. They think there is a drop from three to four. So maybe there's something to it, but I just think the, the lack of shooting for Scotty Barnes, which we can discuss a little bit here is, is enough yeah. of a limitation that he, he's not a top four guy for me.
1: I could see people arguing that Barnes has higher potential than someone like say a Jalen Suggs, but Suggs is so polished right away. I mean, like can help you win to Day and like, yeah, I mean, that's just that's hard to get past. Um, speaking of Scotty Barnes, I would have him going to Orlando at number five, he'd be my number five guy.
0: Yep, same um, right with you there.
1: Great. What, what do you like about Scotty Barnes?
0: Uh, everything with the shooting, I guess. <laughs> that's uh, completely fair. I, I, uh, Sam, CD's draft guides that called him a no level scorer, which I just think is the greatest. <laughs> It's it's an insult, but <laughs> to be a top five pick while also being a no-level scorer tells you how good he is at everything else. Uh, you mentioned kind of the the Ben Simmons comparison for Cunningham earlier. I think it's not terrible for Barnes in terms of size and ability to defend one through five and passing ability. <laughs> he's not the rebounder that Simmons is, but uh, he has. I think he's state. got a, I think he's got a higher
1: motor than Simmons does, which I think yeah.
0: matters yeah, a sure.
1: lot. I mean, like I, I'm almost tempted to comparison that it's a, a, a guy I don't like very much on. Online that I fought with him about Scotty Barnes a little bit, did call him broke Ben Simmons. And so I was like, you know, it's not completely unfair, but I I almost want to drop Draymond Green into the mix. You know, like Draymond is a better scorer, even though now he's basically not looking for his shot at all anymore, essentially, right? Like, but I think that in terms of being a passer. In terms of uh, you know being really really disruptive on defense, in terms of being switchable one through five, not in like how they say that about everybody, but like about specifically people who can actually switch one through five, you can yeah, I mean, he could do that. He
0: guarded point guards ninety four feet in college. Like, yeah, quick point guards, he guarded them the whole way.
1: I, I, I think that that motor. Makes such a I mean, it certainly made a difference for Draymond Green, right? Like, if Draymond Green was not the sort of try hard asshole that everybody knows him <laughs> to be, then he's not one of the most sort of revolutionary, game changing players in the NBA in the last, you know, 15 years or whatever. So uh, that is why I do get why people would be in love with him potentially. Cause even if you think Scotty Barnes could shoot 33% from three, right? You know, like a sub. Average NBA three pointer, like thirty three percent, right, and maybe like seventy percent from the free throw, like like normal, like uh, average to sub average numbers. If you think he can do that, then I kind of get it, you know.
0: Yeah, but uh, this is kind of an odd team for that, you know. There's no shooting on the Magic. They kind of, they're kind of already built to have defense like crazy. They got Jonathan Isaac coming back from the injury. Markel Fultz. Mobamba is, is really more defense first, but it, it, he is a very interesting prototype of a player with his ability to, to guard all five, like you said, and, and pass and do everything on the floor except shoot. I don't, I don't know that he ever gets to that 33% shooting. That's probably my yeah, it's, it, biggest it'd question. It'd
1: be tough, but he's also, I, I think he's also a hard worker. I think he's another guy that people say is like a pretty good character guy, a good culture guy. Yep. Um. I, I love that we keep bringing that up because You know, people do bring that up about players and it does matter. It really does matter. But then it does make you think about those players in which that is never mentioned at any point for them. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, I think that that says a lot and certainly I'm sure you even more than me. I mean, I mostly just hear it about ACC players like Duke players and Duke rival players. I'm sure you hear it all the time, but like sometimes players are just assholes, you know? <laughs> like, there's,
0: a, there's a certain one and done Duke player this year that you certainly don't hear yeah, about.
1: <laughs> well, it's not Matt Hurt. Uh, yeah. It's not <laughs> DJ Stewart. So uh, those guys both would be very good character guys if they get drafted. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think that that's really interesting. And it does always make me think about like when I do really like a player and I never hear that, I'm like, i wonder what i'm not hearing dude you know um but, but yeah barnes is such a good dude i mean like i i right now would definitely take barnes over kuminga and i watched kuminga a good amount and i know he's got that upside there but um yeah if you think he's even diet coke draymond green i think i think you've got to really take a flyer on that even with orlando having nothing but just like that's the other reason i wanted to go to orlando all they do is draft like super long athletes who can't shoot and whatever, you know, it's like, it's yeah. <laughs> their whole deal. So if it's perfectly, it's like all of them. And then it's like Cole, Anthony chucking 30% from three and then four guys who can like crash the boards. You know, it's great. They're leading all the way into that identity
0: and I respect them for it.
1: <laughs> they have an identity. I do respect when you have an identity like that. Uh, number six, Oklahoma city. Um I, I'm taking Kuminga here, I, but I'm more interested in who you have.
0: I th- you kind of talked about it with Houston about taking a swing for the ceiling. So Kuminga probably makes the most sense. As, as I mentioned earlier with Jalen green, I didn't watch a lot of the G league ignite games. Um, so I'm mostly going off the scouting reports and stuff that I've read with him, but he has crazy talent for his body size and his body type and, and physical tools. So I think that's the swing you take if you're OKC in the, the, SGA trades that they've thrown out there seem to indicate (laughs) that they're moving the timeline back even further at this point, or at least considering it. So yeah, drafting the high upside guy that has a long way to go and and shot terribly in the G league probably makes sense. I feel like
1: trading Shea Gilgis, Alexander and Kaminga for Cade probably for them is them thinking they're moving up the timeline just because of the degree to which Cade is a difference maker. Like, I think Cade in the next three years, if they get a bunch of, like assuming that they draft a bunch of high upside people and let's say one or two of them hit, you know, not even all-star hit, but like hit starter in the NBA hit. If you've got Cade running the show, oh man, you know, like Shay is awesome. I love Shay. I was higher on Shay. I thought he was super underdrafted. I was a big, like I, I tend to watch a lot of Kentucky. And so I tend to be higher on Kentucky people than even other people tend to be because like, I know from being a Duke fan, sometimes you just don't get to show all your shit, you know, when you're, you know, with a bajillion other super talented people and Shay is awesome, but like Cade is just Cade. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I don't,
0: yeah. I guess yeah. I don't know if that's speeding it up, but it is like as good as Shay is. He's not yeah. Cade. Like he, he opens up. I think Shay could be an all-star. I
1: think Shay is an all-star. I think Kuminga would not be an all-star for the next four to five years.
0: Yeah. He's not giving. And so you... then
1: you're, you're punting the ball down a ways and like having to resign shay for as as long as you can to keep him around and yeah
0: um that's I think. like giving you that that huge value on his rookie deal because eventually yeah. you're gonna have to extend Isn't Shea, him
1: is Shay still on his rookie deal i think he uh, is
0: i think so i, I mean Kaminga for the for the fort you know if he's yeah no coming, i
1: know but i also yeah. think that like shay they would have to make a decision in the next year or two whether they extend him and if they're if they've got a kuminga that they're waiting four years for then that that, that timeline doesn't really line up yeah. um yeah i mean i would take kuminga here uh, i did watch a decent amount he he mostly just scored based on being like a big dude you know like he's just like a big dude um you know he cuts pretty well he's 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 strong he's long he's down to get the friction on <laughs> <Yeah, that's just
0: laughs> say, where are you going with
1: this <laughs> i couldn't help myself oh god um good body control for like a guy who's so young. And again, he, he put up pretty good stats in the G league, which again, like you can't really ignore him, but like, I do worry about like, just like you said, like his skills, just like straight up, you know, just like he's a bad shooter uh, under 25% from three under 65% from the line. He's not completely broken as a shooter, but he's not a shooter right now. Under 40 from the field in general. Uh, he's not a passer at all. I think on defense, he's basically all potential at this point. You know, I think he loses uh, focus and he's pretty good on ball. Um, He's okay on ball, uh, but off ball definitely gets lost. And, like, again, I've seen enough Duke and Kentucky and UNC guys who are young who just get completely lost off ball to realize, okay, maybe that's just a young person thing but like that, that is going to take some time. And also it may not be a young person thing. Like we're waiting for Marvin Bagley to become a plus defender still, you know, like, so like sometimes these guys who have the potential to be really strong defenders of the NBA just don't really come around. Um, I do think that taking him top six or seven makes a lot of sense because there just aren't a lot of players with that type of star potential. Uh, His driving ability is really good. If if he can shoot, let's say 35% from three, and like 75% from free throw, he's probably an all-star, you know, like he's got a lot of stuff going for him, but like, yeah, beyond that, I, I think there's, <laughs> look, if you can't shoot, you can't pass, and you can't play team defense, <laughs> what are you doing next season? You know, yeah. like, Yep, yeah. it's probably worth
0: mentioning that he was a reclass up like he he's technically in the for sure one class lower, which going to reclass up and going straight to the G league is a huge step for sure from junior year in high school, which, which makes sense why he struggled efficiency wise.
1: Yeah. I mean like Jalen green can't play defense right now either, but he can shoot some, he can pass some Scotty Barnes can't shoot at all, but he can pass very well. He can defend very well. Right. Like but you got to have like two of those three, or you got to be at lead at one of those three. If you can't do any of those three at all, right now then that's there's going to be some bumps in the road but like Oklahoma City can can do that like they can they can take that path like they played poku like so many minutes last year and it was a lot of fun to watch but he was also kind of a hot mess yeah very um, few
0: gms have the job security that that presty does so for sure you can, can do that
1: uh number 7 golden state uh, assuming they keep this pick who do we like jim
0: yeah i i feel like this is kind of in line with with the boards that are out there but it's probably between Moody and Booknight, and I think Booknight's more ready right now, and they're trying to win right now. Golden State is is in that mode of we've got Curry. We should get Clay Thompson back. We've got Draymond. Uh, get, get a little more scoring pop in the backcourt. I, I would go Booknight. I, I, I think he's a better shooter than he showed last year. That was uh, under 30% was shocking to me. He's got pretty solid form, but some of that's probably the degree of difficulty of the shots he was taking. Uh, I think he's a decent fit next to those guards Uh, and you can, you don't necessarily need like a great backup point guard because you can move Draymond onto the ball. And and I think book night helps with that. Or since he's not a point guard, it's not that much of a loss there. So here's why
1: I'm going to put Moody above book night. And I'm going to start with why I have concerns about book night. And I'll just go ahead and I'll I'll say I have book night going at the next pick anyway, because I, I, I agree that book has got to be up here for his upside and potential and certainly shot creation and, and, and stuff like this. Um, I really think he's got to knock down threes at a higher clip. I know that like we're yes, he had very, very difficult shots to make last year at UConn. You know, there's no question. And the fact that he made as many of them as he did is a real testament to his ability to do shot creation. Um, but I, I think at the NBA, if it, unless he can make those threes consistently, unless I feel really good about it, like teams will just go under screens and sag off him. You know, and, and I'm also – here's a stat <laughs> that kind of blew my mind when I saw it. I, I knew that he was not a great passer. Like, like maybe to some extent that was because of the team he played for and the people around him and whatever. But look, he averaged 3.1 assists per 100 possessions for his career at UConn. And compare that to Anthony Edwards, who also super got knocked last year for, like, not being a good slash willing passer and who had way less talent around him at Georgia than even Booknight had at UConn, who put up 3.4 assists per 100 possessions. I mean, like, Booknight just does not pass the ball straight up, right? I, th- I also think he's, like, a decent on-ball defender, but not a very good great defender off ball necessarily like yeah. Moody's the better
0: defender for sure I think
1: Moody's the better defender I think Moody is the obviously better three-point shooter and furthermore I just think that with the guys that like Golden State has just pick a guy you can plug and play right Moody will have to do nothing other than catch the ball and shoot it and then defend on the wing he won't have to create he won't have to do a ton of like you know fancy shit he just has to be able to play day one and make those shots and defend those people i think he can do that and plus I, I i also just kind of like like not his ceiling but i love his floor right i think that his floor is just prototype three and d guy i think there's potentially some upside there just because of in particular in high school the talent he played around sort of let him be slept upon so we don't really know what he's capable of to some extent too i think golden state could do a lot with a guy like that in his in their system so i would go moody here
0: yeah, I mean, you somewhat talked me into it. I mean, like the, some of your concerns with Booknight about, you know, them going under screens and stuff. I think that's less of a concern with Golden State because he's not going to have the ball in his hands all that often. That's true. Um, it, it, is he a better catch-and-shoot guy than he showed? I think the numbers say he actually wasn't very good catch-and-shoot. Like it wasn't right. just his off-the-dribble stuff that dragged down his percentages. So that certainly is concerning.
1: I would wonder how I, many times he got an opportunity to catch-and-shoot at UConn as well, because people yep. were blanketing him, you know. Yeah, yep. and
0: I like I like the form, and apparently he has just like shot the the heck out of it in warm or in uh, workouts. So maybe there is more to it than than that. I he was one of the guys I actually saw a play back in high school, and I was kind of impressed by him. I was wild nice. by him. I think he he had like a stress fracture in his foot, so he got knocked down some of the recruiting rankings. But I I think he's excellent. I think those two are, are kind of you know two sides of the same coin. And if you opt to go for the moody uh, slightly younger slightly bigger better defender i have no no qualms with that
1: yeah i don't remember what Knight's measurables are i know moody's 66 and a 611 wingspan i mean yeah i mean I, I i think there's a chance he could shoot 40% year 1 if he's got steph and clay around him right like he's he's just not going to have people pegging him down the same way that he like if he was on orlando let's say right like he's 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 gonna probably be dealing with a lot more attention if he's hanging out around the perimeter um yeah i I really like moody i'm a big fan uh i would go book night to orlando in the next one especially because orlando desperately needs shot creation um and that is the thing that book night is really really good at
0: that's what i run into with who am i gonna give to orlando here is Ooh, yeah, I, I, good point. I may, I may just have to give them another long athlete because there, there's no there's no real, like, jump-off-the-page offensive threat here. So, I mean, you could go Wagner. You could go, I don't know, Keon Johnson's got some of the high-ranking stuff, but, but I don't buy Davion Mitchell this high. I don't think you should go for a 22-year-old in, in the lottery just from some of the historical stuff I've, I've seen on that. Ooh, interesting.
1: We, <laughs> we're busting out the historical. I like it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I the The one I think I'm going to – I'm going to give them here is, is the, the, the crazy Turkish guy. Um, Okay. Hollinger had him in his top six in the same tier as the top four plus Kuminga. Uh, I guess his, his numbers are excellent overseas. He's a really skilled back to the basket scorer with, with a little more athleticism than some of the the typical guys. I think there's a projection that he could be Vucevic if the shot comes along, uh, which is, it's not there yet, but uh, he's pretty skilled. He's got good touch. So I'm going to give them shang just as like, you know, we've got two lottery picks. Let's take a swing for the high ceiling guy here with our second one.
1: Yeah, I sort of saw some uh, like, like, I think, I think when I talked to somebody, they were like Coke zero Jokic, like, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe ceiling, like diet Coke, Jokic, diet Coke, I could, I could coin that right now.
0: Diet Coke, there you go. Um,
1: yeah, I'll have him later just because I haven't seen him much. Um, but that is interesting, especially for a team that just lost Vucevic. Um, yeah, and yeah, I'll take Book Booknight at number eight there. Um, again, I, I know I just, like, dragged him a little bit, and I feel bad about that. Like, his shot creation is a top-10 prospect type of guy, right? Like, I, I I still really like him, and I like what he would bring to the table. Uh, I think that it, his floor is, like, a good bench scorer, You know, so even then Jordan Clarkson, baby. (laughs) Yeah, I I actually uh, I talked to a UConn buddy of mine who was kind of like, yeah, like maybe like a slightly better Jeremy Lamb, you know, like in terms of what he could be, because like Lamb wasn't really passing much. He was shooting a lot in UConn. I mean, like I, I could I could see some of some of those things together. Right. Like maybe more a potential defender than like a really good one, you know, like that sort of deal yeah um but obviously Jeremy Lamb became a journeyman in the NBA so you know I feel like that's probably the floor but again, he's still in the NBA he still is playing so I mean if you can get that in the top 10 you, you could do a lot worse. Number nine Sacramento who you got here
0: I, I I'm worried I'm going too much with what the actual projections and boards have said rather than so much of my own perception but Uh, Franz Wagner seems like he's locked in here basically Um, or or at least like that's his floor that he has a a, a, that Zach Lowe called it a soft promise from from uh, from Sacramento I I was not hyper impressed with him this year I thought he was going to kind of take off a little more than he did but the potential is really there he's huge I think he's an awesome defender like watching him defend individually and as a team defender he was terrific he blocked a lot of shots for a wing which is really impressive he's super long this is shooting needs to be a little better than it was I I think it's the potentials there but he the the actual results didn't come through the way they should have but I will still go Franz Wagner there
1: yeah I would too uh and I know I'm I'm reading some of the same that you are obviously and and some of these things but like also they need a wing like that so badly like even with Moody on the board now granted if I think if Moody was here, do I think Sacramento would would figure it out probably? Like, because I'm very high on Moody? Yes, probably. Like, I think Moody's like number six on my personal board. Like, I, I really, really like Moody's potential. Um, but yeah, Franz is just so, my my dog agrees. Franz, um, yeah, I, the defense is, is the whole deal here, right? Like, if you value switchability on defense in the NBA, which you really should, and you value wing defenders who could be three and D guys, then like there's a really high ceiling here just in terms of how strong he is defensively right away i think his instincts are really strong i think he's a pretty good passer on the wing uh i think he's good on ball good off ball good switchability good lateral quickness Yeah, I also think that because he's a really good free throw shooter and because his shot tended to run hot and cold rather than being, like, consistently 34%, you know, like, I I feel like that tells me there's potential there for the shot to work out. Like, I'm still... I know I keep bringing up like Duke here, but like I still continue to hold out hope for like Cam Reddish, for instance, right? Because Cam Reddish had a reputation coming into college as being a shooter. He really struggled and he's really struggled to some extent with his consistency in Atlanta, but good form- uh, generally speaking, good defender, generally speaking, I think he's going to continue to have opportunities. And as long as you're a good hard worker, uh, I think it'll work out. And I think it'll work out for Franz as well. Like if he can't shoot, I think like still worst case scenario, he's like an eighth, ninth man kind of dude, because he's a good defender. And and I think that that matters and he's a good passer. He can make some things happen. But I mean, I think if he can shoot, he's like maybe even a starter in the NBA, which would be really cool.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, you pretty much summed it up with him. That, that's, well said. Uh,
1: number 10, Memphis, no longer New Orleans after the trade. Memphis traded up. They're clearly looking for somebody. Uh, I'm just going to say outright that I'm putting Josh Giddy here. Uh, I know nothing about him. Uh, I have heard Sam Vecini rave about him a lot. <laughs> I've heard some other people, you know, say a lot of good things. I feel like continued playmaking is definitely what they're looking for. Um, I certainly think that having somebody like that to be a secondary playmaker alongside John ja Morant would be really, really great. They've already got a lot of good raw talent there. I, I think that somebody like Giddy who could come in and even if he's not shooting could feed people could make smart, high IQ reads. Uh, I think it's an, is a nice match. Again, this is just coming from what I have read to be clear. Um, but if he is those things, I saw like a Alonzo comparison, actually um yep. and i mean again even if he's like diet coke lonzo i think pairing him with john morant sounds really good
0: hey they could maybe get real lonzo this off season he, he's apparently he's available um i'm gonna i'll give him moody here just because he's still available on my board and he, he's the type of guy that i think would be Memphis, great for them yeah. yeah the front office they they thrive on getting those guys i mean last year they they had bane and melton in the backcourt really start to emerge and what's another guy with a seven foot wingspan who can switch and hit threes. I, I'm, I'm happy to add that, but yeah, there, it did feel like in the playoffs, it was too much of a burden on Morant to create shots. I just didn't have another guy as as much as Dylan Brooks tried, but uh I'll yeah. still give him Moody. Unfortunately, Yeah.
1: Dylan Brooks just is, he can't be the second guy on a contender in the West. Like he just can't be right. Like, uh, and I like him well enough. I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not coach K whispering into his ear that he's a better guy than that. You know,
0: uh, gonna <laughs> make me puke on my mic. I know i
1: I keep, I keep bringing up these Duke things just because Jim doesn't like Duke. Um, so, <laughs> but, but I do think the Giddy's got, you know, at least again, from what we've read, he's got the higher ceiling. Certainly Lonzo still has a higher ceiling for, than what he's even accomplished yet. So um, yeah, I think that'd be really good for them. Uh, number 11, Charlotte. Who do you have for Charlotte?
0: Speaking of uh, the balls, I, I can't do anything but give Michael Jordan a four-year college player, and I'm giving him Corey Kispert. Ooh, shooting.
1: and a white player.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. The Frank
1: Kaminsky's, the Cody Zellers, the Corey Kisperts, baby. We
0: Gotta love it. Got to give it to him. Yep. The <laughs> shooting, shooting next to Lamelo should be helpful. I mean, he's somebody that can uh, score off catch and shoot, or he he was really impressive off the bounce in, in especially his last two years, catch and drive and closeouts if, if people over – over uh, overstepped on those closeouts and with a guy like LaMelo emerging as the main playmaker there, I I think that's a pretty good role for him. So I will go Kispert.
1: I'll go another uh, seasoned uh, college player here. I'll go Davion Mitchell. Um, I think that he'd be a really good pair with LaMelo. I think that if you have some questions about maybe the sort of, uh, creator of his own offense that Davion Mitchell is necessarily other than the dribble drive. Right. I know there's some questions about, is he the shooter that he was last year? Uh, And I think that some of those are probably fair. Uh, He's like, you know, a career, like 65% free throw shooter. Uh, I, again, I know from Duke players past, if you're a lousy free throw shooter and you're a great three point shooter, that does not mean you will be a great three point shooter at the next level and it's not like the Lamello is a genius shooter there either. Um, but Lamello is certainly one of his weaknesses is even though he's big, he's not the best defender in the world. Well, Davion is probably one of the best, if not the best point of attack defender in the draft. Um, I think he could start. He's a little small for the point, but he's very smart. He's very high motor. He's very quick. Uh, it's an increasingly point guard driven league. I, that's another reason why I'm going to take him here. I think your point about concerns about age and concerns about some of the things are very valid, but in a, in a league where point guard matters more than anything else, if you've got somebody that you think could be a dude you could throw on to defend a point guard at the point of attack, that's so, so valuable. And I really do think he could be that guy. And again, high character kid, high hard worker. Um, I think he's a good enough shooter, even in a bad scenario, to keep defenses marginally honest. I think worst case scenario, he's a good off the bench guy, but like in a, in a good scenario, you put him alongside LaMelo and sort of have him play the Devonte Graham role, but because he's a better defender, it might work even better than the Devonte Graham thing did.
0: Yeah. I think that's the perfect fit is putting him next to a bigger, uh, another creator, maybe, you know, not necessarily as, as good a creator as LaMelo is, but playing next to a big initiators is, is perfect for Davion uh, where he doesn't need to emerge into a star because that's, you know, a lot of these teams in the lottery, they're, they're trying to find, like, the whole run swing. And Charlotte maybe feels like they've already got theirs with LaMelo so they can play it a little safer with their lottery pick here. That makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'll also say straight up that, like, point guard is definitely the hardest position for me beyond, like, the elite guys. Like, when it comes to the really good college point guards, it's really hard for me to determine, are you going to be like, – I, like, I wasn't sure Jalen Brunson would be as good as he – is as an NBA player, just because he had limitations, but he seems to be doing pretty well. I mean, I, I mean, God, I mean, I thought that like Jacob Pullen would, would do well, like, you know, I thought that like Johnny Flynn would do well. Like I've, I've whipped, like uh, Johnny Flynn got hurt, but I, like, I, I still will hold that a uh, flag and wave <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I struggle with that sometimes. So, I mean, is, and I, I didn't think Donovan Mitchell would be as good as he was. Cause he wasn't really a shooter in college at all. You know, so like if if John Mitchell can become a shooter, his upside is really, really high. If, if like the 43 percent or whatever he did last year is real. I mean, that's incredible then. And he's got a really nice upside. Yeah. But it's it's hard for me to peg upside one way or another with point guards sometimes. Uh, number 12, San Antonio. I'm going to put Sangoon here. Uh, it just feels like picking a big Euro guy feels right for San Antonio. Uh, who would you have here?
0: I'm going giddy. I'm giving them a, a, one of the foreign guys, too. Sure. <laughs> that I, I trust Pop in, in that front office to develop. Uh, and they, you know, he's kind of a, a high ceiling swing, and that makes sense for them, I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, number 13, Indiana. I'm going to go Corey Kispert. You already mentioned him. Uh, he's the best shooter in the class. I, I really think his ceiling is like better Joe Harris, you know, uh, very close. And Joe Harris is doing what, like 15 points per game, something like this in the NBA right now for a really, really good team. Yep, making um,
0: very good money. <laughs>
1: yeah, making very, very good money. Uh, I, I think sometimes people, you know, if he hadn't gotten complacent in some of those blowouts in the WCC, he could have had a 50-50-90 year last year. I mean, like people, I still don't think because of those last couple of games realize the caliber of shooter he is. You know, in those and, – and people will say, like, what about the competition not realizing that against the worst competition, much like Suggs, he kind of did his worst work there. Like, against Tier A competition, he shot better than he did on the season. He did 44% from three on over seven attempts per game, and that includes the games at the end of the season, right? Like, for his entire career, he shot over 42% from three on very high volume against Tier A opponents. I mean, like, he's not going to be a good defender. We know that. Right. But like, I think he could be, I think
0: he'll be okay. I think he can really strong. He's really strong.
1: I think he can be better than Joe Harris. I'll put it that way. Agreed. Right. Like, but do I think he's like a net positive defender? No, I think his ceiling is like net neutral. Right. Which, which would be great because he's going to be a a big net positive on offense.
0: Yeah. I don't think he's getting abused on defense. And he's a smart team defender. So that that adds up to an acceptable guy on that end.
1: I think, (laughs) oh god i keep bringing up duke guys and i really apologize about that like that i do think that in the same way that like jj reddick in his first season or two did get picked on in switches and whatever and then became honestly kind of one of their better team defenders in orlando before his tenure was done there i do think that kispert is the sort of super driven hard working guy that maybe could pull off a similar sort of thing and if he can do that i mean if he can if he can get to JJ Redick status. JJ's made is a top 10 three-pointers made in the history of the NBA kind of guy. So I mean, yeah, like, I think
0: you'd take that outcome there for sure. Oh, you
1: draft, I mean, at 13 for Indiana to be a steal. Uh, who would you take uh, for Indiana here?
0: Uh Indiana, I've got Isaiah Jackson.
1: Wow, okay, here we go. My my boy Huggy, who always listens to this podcast and always absolutely breaks my balls anytime I say anything that even insinuates an insult toward Kentucky, he got very, very mad that I insinuated that the Cade for uh, Shea in the sixth pick was a, not a good deal. He was like, Shea, I think his exact words on Twitter were, Cade is not even in Shades ballpark <laughs> or something like that. Oh, wow. He is a okay. hard UK guy, right? Okay. So you're winning big integrity points by drafting Isaiah Jackson before I am here. Tell us what okay. you like about Isaiah Jackson.
0: I think he's just an awesome, awesome defender. I, I think this also kind of allows them to potentially trade Miles Turner for some help elsewhere uh, maybe Isaiah Jackson's not ready to be like a super immediate contributor but I think he can play back up big minutes uh, and yeah with, with Turner potentially on on the move that sets them up for at least a, a project there it does sound like they're a team that has or at was just what I've listened to that wants to move up the timeline wants to win quick hiring Carlisle and paying him seven million dollars a year is yeah. part of that uh, but I'm giving him Jackson kind of the high upside big man I thought about uh, another one, Kai Jones here, but I think he's even more raw than Jackson yeah, is at this definitely, point. Definitely, so, <laughs> Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll go Jackson in that one. What about you? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I took Kispert here. Oh, that's um, right. That was that pick. Okay. I will say about Jackson since we're talking about him. I mean, I think he's a top three defensive big man in this draft, uh, at least from what I've seen. Um, you know, a good, and I think he fills such an obvious role in the NBA. Right, he's a rim runner. He's a shot blocker. Uh, I sort of, my lazy comparison would be like Clint Capella-esque, right? Um, In that ballpark of what he could become. Big body, great athlete, uh, great weak side shot blocker. Uh, I think he'd be really good in drop coverage, but also if you're switching, he's not like such a bad athlete that he's going to get burned. I mean, I think he could figure it out for the most part, hold his own. Good high motor. I I don't think he's a stretch big. I've seen him at least talk about how he wants to shoot the ball. I don't,
0: don't don't we all don't we all Isaiah? don't
1: they all dude this kills me like if you're a, and you're going to see later when we get to the end of this I've got I've got a big man that is on nobody else's first round that I would take but like if you just know who you are, you're a rim runner, you're a shot blocker, like you could make millions for a decade plus, right? It's once you start chucking up these threes, if you can't make them, the people start going, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Right? Like Isaiah Jackson could be an elite, like he could potentially be better than Clint Capella at this stuff. If like, he was just like, this is my jam. This is what I do. You know?
0: Um You got to lean into it. You got to lean into it. You
1: really do. I mean, guys that lean into like what they're good at or end up very, very high on my board. Uh, Golden state, another pick here. Uh, I'm going to go Chris, Chris Duarte. I know this is a name that's been floated around. You're nodding. I'm assuming that's exactly
0: what I'm doing. Yep.
1: Yeah. What do you like about Chris Duarte? As I, as I grab another beer, tell the people that you like uh, what you like about Chris.
0: Uh, Duarte is basically good at everything. Uh, He's not, incredibly great at any one thing. And he's 24 years old, which is why it would be surprising to see him taken in the lottery. I think he'd be the oldest lottery pick in at least the last 10 years, but he's an outstanding shooter, like really high volume can knock down threes. He's a good ball mover ball mover along the perimeter. He, he's going to help that ball movement for golden state, multi-positional defender. He's a really big wing got size out there. So I, I think he fits a lot of what we were talking about with what they could get at seven with either Moody or Book Knight, he's good at all that stuff just without the ceiling that either of those two guys have.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Duarte is right away a better player than I mean, what we're at 14 now. He could be better than eight or nine of the people right away that he's uh drafted behind. Um, I agree. I don't think he's a star, I think he's an immediate rotation guy. I think if Golden State's trying to win now, that's perfect. Uh, not a great passer he's obviously old not an elite athlete but like in terms of being a three and d guy, one of the best three point shooters in class one of the be- one of the better mid-range shooters of the class uh, good quickness on the perimeter, good defender moves well away from the ball hard worker hard character guy, high character guy um and yeah I mean I think I think there's a world in which if like golden State doesn't take him here that then he ends up sliding a while because like he's just not gonna be the sort of guy that like Oklahoma City wants or some of these other guys uh, want yeah. right but like, man, I think he's such a slam dunk fit there that if Golden State actually keeps these picks, uh, he could help them right away.
0: Yeah, perhaps they're looking to trade back or something because they think they could get him at 18 or something, but you need you need two to tango. You need somebody that wants to get up for that 14 pick, so who knows?
1: I also think there's a world in which they could trade both of those picks. I mean, I know people have mentioned, I mean, the one that I would be really high on that I've heard people mention is like 714 and Wiseman for Ben Simmons
0: you know, like that would, be, that would be quite a wild fit for them. I mean, I just, just in terms of thinking about how that all meshes together, Simmons and Draymond green on the floor at the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah. But like, if you can, if you can use like the Draymond assholery and like the shooting coaches at golden state to like help unlock something there that's already there in an all-star and plus then you'd have it golden state. You'd have Andrew Wiggins, former number one pick, Ben Simmons, former number one pick, you know, these guys who sort of left their other place, you know, thinking like, damn, I disappointed my first team or whatever. And then all of a sudden became like Andrew Wiggins for the first time in Golden State system is a non negative player, <laughs> you know, so I mean, like they've would clearly a- got some juice there.
0: That'd be such a cool five-man lineup: the, the Curry, Clay, oh. Simmons, Green, Wiggins. Like that, that would be fun to watch. It'd be
1: <laughs> sick, dude. It'd be sick. I mean, I would trade Moody for Wiggins. <laughs> I would get Wiggins. I would get Wiggins to the bench immediately and just let Moody shoot. <laughs> but that's just that's because I'm a, a well-known Wiggins hater. After I advocated for him on this podcast super hard above my boy Jabari Parker, and he is still a better player today than Jabari is. But Jabari got hurt. But I was like, no, Wiggins is sick, and then he's <laughs> sucked. All right, number 15, uh, Washington Wizards, uh, my boy KB. This is his team. He really wanted Davion Mitchell to fall here. Do you have Davion on your board still?
0: He's still on my board. I'm but thinking he's not your
1: pick. Okay, who are you picking?
0: Him or one other, other guard there. Uh, I've given them Jaden Springer, uh, a guy that a lot of draft Twitter is in love. But there, are, there are a lot of people on draft Twitter that have him, like, top eight. Like, they are in love with this guy i'm not i'm not all the way there does that
1: gel with what you saw at tennessee last year
0: no it it doesn't i thought he was really (laughs) solid i didn't think he was that that good i think a lot of people are enamored by the the shooting percentages he put up but they were on a very small sample especially from three yeah Uh, he's going to be an excellent defender like we've already said about davion the same way but i I, he's also younger he's he's only 19 he's got a lot more upside Uh, so I'll, i'll give them to uh, give him there and maybe he can learn a little from from Westbrook at that competitive edge going I mean, he's supposed to be a really good competitor already but uh, I'll go Springer I'm sorry to, to KB he's gonna yell at me for <laughs> leaving maybe. Mitchell out there but we'll, we'll see what he thinks
1: yeah I think Springer is more of a secondary creator than a primary one but a good passer he can play some minutes a point if needed and like obviously his best value is that he's a really good defender on the perimeter a really good dribble drive guy like you I worry about the shot uh, really not a good pull-up shooter. Uh, I think Washington needs some good shooting right now. Um, I forget it might have been Vicini that pointed this out, and then I watched it and I was like, "God damn!" Springer always goes to the jump stop. Like he he very rarely like does anything off a foot, and he does two feet. I, that might have been in his guide actually, or I think he mentioned it on his podcast. Because I went back and I watched some clips, and I was like that can't possibly be true that he's coming to two feet every time he shoots, Like he really is dude. And like, I, if it gave college defenders a chance to recover from mid range, imagine what NBA defenders can do. Um, I still think that if he could go like 38% from three, 80% from the free throw line, he's a starter. If he can get there. Um, I do like him more than Keon Johnson, as we'll see for when I pick Springer, Uh, I'm not picking him here. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, this might be a bit of a reach, but I, but I got to get there. I'm going to go Jared Butler here. Okay. Um, and really because of what I mentioned before, Washington needs shooting. They need scoring. They need uh, shot creation. Uh, I, I think that Butler would be the a guy who'd be a lot sexier going onto a contender right away uh, because I think he could sort of play right away. There's definitely some starter upside there. Let's assume that the heart condition is not a determining factor and that he's okay. Um And, you know, if that's a case, I mean, again, one of the best shooters in the class, probably the best pull-up three-point shooter in the class, like our top two or three, Uh, very good passer, uh, good defender. Uh, I mean, maybe you could say he's like a little small, you know, maybe not a little. Yeah, Yeah, but like... I also think that those are some of the same things that you say about some other guys who were really effective in college, like Jalen Brunson, for instance, or, I mean, shit, you could say it about Trey Young, even though Trey Young's a lot faster and a lot more elite at some of these other things, but, like, I think sometimes when you get caught up, or at least when I get caught up, in the size of the guy, and then just, like, be like, yes, he's very, very skilled, he's skilled enough to be in the NBA all these things, but the size... I sort of feel like with the floor being more spread now and it being more of a guard league, a jump shot league, that maybe those concerns of mine are are less founded and that a guy like Jared Butler would be a starter in the NBA. Well, at least I'm going to hope for KB's sake that that's the case if they end up taking him here. I think I think he'll go lower than what I just took him.
0: Yeah, he's such a good shot maker. I mean, I don't have him a lot further down. So it's not like uh, I think this is a crazy reach or anything. Um, We'll 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 get there. We'll get there.
1: Yeah, and I mean, again, what did I say earlier? Can you shoot? Can you pass? Can you defend? I think he can do all three, uh, at worst, capably, and at best, really well. And so I I feel like he's a pretty good chance to at least be a really quality bench player for that reason. Uh, OKC sixteen. Who do you got?
0: Uh, Home run swing. I got a couple home run swings for them here in the next two. I have Zaire Williams, who I actually was not a fan of at all. At Stanford, I thought he was terrible, and I think his his stats really back that up. But he's really high pedigree coming out of high school. He's a super athlete. He's got a pretty nice shooting motion and, and ball skills for a guy mm-hmm. of his size. And they, I mean, they just had like the worst context season ever at Stanford in terms of yeah. never really playing at home until like February. and him in
1: particular.
0: Yeah, he had deaths in the family due to COVID and left the team and had some uh, some injuries nagging him all season. I think that's almost a write-it-off year with him, and you kind of go back to the film from his high school and be like, that's what I'm drafting. That's what I think I'm getting here. And for a team like OKC, you're, you're swinging for the fences. That's what I would go for.
1: Yeah, I, I have him at 18 to OKC, so I'll just go ahead and, and piggyback here. Yeah, uh, he didn't have a preseason, hurt his knee. Uh, for those of you who don't know Zaire Williams that well, let me just break down some of the things that happened to him this year before you're like, oh, but his numbers or whatever. No preseason hurt his knee, I believe in the fall. I mean, maybe even before the season started or very, very early into the season. Uh, Stanford was one of the most stringent schools when it came to COVID protocol of any of the schools, they had way fewer facilities than most. I mean, even Duke that was very stringent still had like workout rooms and things like, uh, I recall Stanford saying that they were just working out in like hotels like in, in hotel, like gyms. Yeah. Yeah. They were not
0: at home on campus for like, yeah, they had no
1: campus access at all. Like at least, at least Duke and some of these other schools had hotels basically on campus where they could stay. Stanford did not have that. Uh, I think Zaire also had to sit out a chunk due to COVID issues of his own, whether he had it or whether he had uh, the contact tracing, I don't recall, but I think he had to sit out for a while because of that as well. He had, More than one death in the family that he missed time for, if I recall, you know, and then and then once he got back onto the court, unsurprisingly, he was not really the same. So I completely agree. I would say, fuck it. You know, toss the game tape out. He's got great wing size. He's got great athleticism for his size, good fuel for the game. Like, I don't think he's like a point forward, like like a Cade or like even like an R.J. Barrett necessarily. But like, I think he's a good secondary playmaker kind of guy. Uh, Not a very good shooter last year, but I don't hate the shot. I mean, like, and plus, like, if you look at a lot of the guys that are going to go in this round that are of similar size to him, like the Kaminga, Barnes, Franz, uh, you could put Jalen Johnson in this range, even though I wouldn't, right? Like, Zion Williams is the best shooter of all of those guys by, I
0: think, a fairly good margin. Wouldn't you agree? at least uh, in terms of projecting the form, I, you know, last year's stats don't back it up, but one more thing yeah. to add in the context of his bad year, I think the Stanford locker room was messed up too. Like they, there were almost like two, sure. factions. I've kind of heard this from a couple of people, people uh, where it was almost like a war inside there. And, and the, some of the guys didn't get along with the others. And, it just never really meshed for them. And uh, uh, just one more reason to write off last year. for him.
1: I think that happened a lot with very talented teams last year. I think that, you know, not being able to be on campus and be the man and be super happy with your boys, you know, makes a huge difference to these teams like Duke, Kentucky, UNC, you know, Louisville to some extent, you know, like uh, a lot of these guys, I mean, even you could, say Kansas for chunks of the season, Michigan state, like a lot of these teams really struggled to build that chemistry. And I think COVID had a large role in that. So, yeah, I totally agree. I I would be concerned about his like strength and his frame. I I, I do think that those are real concerns. I mean, I, I think that that affects his defensive upside too. I mean, like, god i'm really sorry for continuing to bring up duke players but like brandon ingram i think had similar concerns going in but people were like oh but he could be a really good defender because of his length because of his general feel for the game etc and he's not been a good defender in the nba so i mean like i could see zyre williams sort of not really capitalizing on his length just due to frame stuff as well but even still i mean if if I'm bringing up names like Brandon Ingram and some of these other people, I mean, he's still a first round pick and he's still a guy with pretty considerable upside, but yeah, I I don't know what he's going to be. I have no clue.
0: Right. I think it's, that's why it's a good gamble. Who's your, who's your 16 pick.
1: So number 16, I wouldn't be surprised if you take him at number 18, I have Kai Jones.
0: I do. That's exactly nice. what I have at 18. Let's go.
1: So I, I like Kai Jones more than Zaire Williams um, because Zaire Williams, I mean, could if, if you told me he was going to go like number eight or whatever, I'd be like, okay, I guess. And if he went down to like number 30, I'd be like, yeah, okay, sure. Right? Like I, Kai definitely has like a bit of that span as well, but like For people who did not get to watch Texas last year, (laughs) Kai Jones is awesome, dude. Like, I love Kai Jones. I would honestly have him probably even higher on my big board because the upside is so massive. He'd be one of the most athletic six eleven guys in the NBA the second he steps on the floor, which right away is a huge advantage. He only started playing basketball at age fifteen, and he's only nineteen today. So, like, I guess the downside is he has to learn how to play basketball, right? But like, you know, beyond that, right? Like, but he's a really good leaper, great lateral quickness, great speed for his size. Like, I I think that. Again, he's probably a better drop coverage guy, but he could be switchable again and not get destroyed. I like the way his shot looks. Yes, it's it's solid. (laughs) It looks okay. I mean, I know it didn't fall great. He didn't take like a lot of them, if I recall correctly. But like there were times where he would like dribble behind his back and do a pull up three off the bounce and drain it. And you'd be like, oh, my God, what's happening here? Uh, I think he's a really great on ball defender off ball work in progress, but again he started playing basketball four years ago, you know like I'm, I'm gonna give him a pass on that and and like more than anything else, there are so few players at this point in the draft and really even in the last several picks who have that holy shit factor right and Kai Jones has the holy shit factor like he is the sort of dude who kind of like Pokasshevsky to some extent will do something and you'll be like, how did this happen like how does somebody that big do that and uh, again especially in a year when Giannis just won the title I think if you can get a guy who you could be like well in five to six years if everything went absolutely perfectly here's a guy that could be Giannis-esque right diet coke Giannis right that sort of thing like I do think he's got shades of that. It would take a lot of learning on his part. Giannis was obviously a lot better even coming into the league than Kai Jones is, but, like, man, the upside is just so huge. Like, And if you're not in playoff contention, like, I would go right away. Frankly, I'd probably go earlier, honestly. If there was a team in – yeah, but so many of those teams in, like, 11 through 15 don't want to totally suck for the next several years
0: right i, I wouldn't be stunned if orlando took him at eight I, like, I was gonna say that's yeah, not two a bad lottery picks like that's not, not a bad reach
1: yeah totally yeah i'm a big uh i'm assuming because you were nodding through a lot of what i said uh that you had similar feelings watching kai jones last year
0: that you know i i tweeted like a month ago no player in, in the sport made me say holy shit more often than Kai Jones. Nice. Like the holy shit factor. There it, it is. is. It's just like, whoa, what was that? That that 6'11 guy just did what? Like, are you kidding yeah. me? So it, you know, it was sometimes few and far between, but sure. The, the, the that was also probably was partially sold, the
1: team yeah. to some extent.
0: Yeah. And he got, you know, he's splitting minutes with Jericho Sims, who is very solid. So yeah. it, it was, you know, I, I just think the potential is well worth the gamble if you believe in your own player development process. I I even think his downside is not that
1: low. I think his worst case is like Robert Williams, you know, like in that ballpark. And like, he's a guy who might start next season. I mean, like, and I mean, best case scenario, you've got a guy who like is Robert Williams, but faster and can dribble the ball better and can shoot a threesome. I mean, like that's an all-star, you know, right there. So Yeah, I'm very, very high on him. All right, 17, New Orleans. We
0: already sort of knocked out 16 and 18. 17, New Orleans. Who do you have? Uh, I have Davion Mitchell finally going here. Uh, I I think it makes sense that they traded back and out of the kind of high upside guys and not they're looking for more of a a win now uh, contributor. Sure. The way Zion's extension talks are going to be coming up at some point. Uh, and he's just super solid you you kind of talked about him a bunch earlier but the the quick first step the defensive ability i I think is a very solid pick there at at 17.
1: at 17 uh, i would have this guy maybe even slightly lower but um feels like a guy who would fit pretty well here i have trey murphy uh he's been climbing the ladder again i'd probably have him closer to 20 personally but like He's a catch, one of the better catch-and-shoot guys, one of the better on-ball wing defenders. What did New Orleans really badly need last year? Guys that could defend the wing and guys that could shoot threes. So, I mean, like, I think the fit is perfect. I don't think he's a great, like, pull-up shooter. He's got pretty limited upside, uh, you know, not a great, like, ball handler or whatever. But, like, again, on a team with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, maybe Lonzo Ball, maybe Kyle Lowry, if you believe that, right? Any of those things – he doesn't need to do anything other than, like, be in the corner, catch the ball, shoot it, and then defend guys on the other end. And I think Trey Murphy is the sort of guy who could come in. Like, we saw what Cam Johnson gave to the Phoenix Suns right away. And, I mean, frankly, I think that Trey Murphy is the better NBA prospect than Cam Johnson was coming into the oh, NBA. Oh, you're a
0: Duke bias. Get out of here. I think was, Cam is better.
1: <laughs> do, you think, do you think Cam Johnson – I think Cam Johnson was the better – overall player because he could shoot off the bounce some but like in terms of just like being a catch and shoot guy and a defender i feel like trey murphy's a better defender than cam johnson was yeah
0: i'll give you that um i i think he's a better movement shooter cam johnson was i mean i think he's a better movement shooter than,
1: yeah that's cam that's, johnson was about to be completely this is not a duke thing because i i i draft unc guys all the time on here i'm fine with that because i watch unc guys a lot <laughs> so you know uh, but yeah i I think that if everything broke completely right, I mean, like this is a really big name to say. So I'm gonna go Diet Coke here. But like he could be like a Diet Coke Danny Green type if everything went really well. Right. Yeah. Just like shooting the ball and defending. Know your role, play it to a T. Yep. Um, 19, the Knicks. <laughs> the Knicks, who I always drag on this show for being a terrible and shitty organization but who was a top four seed last year go figure uh and now they're in a not terrible position to maybe be a playoff team again uh
0: who do we like at number 19 here jim i went sharif cooper uh given them wow okay nice dynamic play in the backcourt a little undersized in fact probably very undersized but yeah he gets wherever he wants on the court uh, it, the, the concern is that they've already got a couple guys that are excellent with the ball in their hands, but I think it's a worthy gamble. That point guard situation is not solved for them. I mean, Derek Rose is not a long-term answer there. No. It doesn't seem like Frankie Smokes is going to be a long-term answer. So. <laughs> is
1: that really his
0: nickname? <laughs> Frankie Smokes. I don't know. I'm calling him that. I, Frankie I've heard a Smokes is a, I
1: mean, it's a great name. If it's not his <laughs> name, he needs to adapt it. It's phenomenal. <laughs>
0: Uh, but yeah, just a little more offensive pop, probably off the bench. I, I don't think he's a starting point guard, especially not right away, not even close, but uh, give, give him some of that, that some of what Alec Burks and, and Derek Rose provided last year behind the the Barrett and Randall led lineups. Okay. Now I love Sharif
1: Cooper. Let's be clear before I break into this bit that I, that I love Sharif Cooper. I mean, I'm assuming you're concerned about the fact that he can't shoot and the fact that he can't play defense those
0: are certain
1: (laughs) because if you're a guy of his size which is very small for even by nba by college standards much less nba standards and you can't shoot and you can't defend now he is the best ball handler in the class and i think he's the best passer in the class probably so that's not nothing right but like man if you can't shoot and you can't defend, like I'm reminded of this is very different because I think Sharif is better at some of these things than this guy. But like, I'm reminded of Kendall Marshall a little bit where Kendall Marshall was one of the best passers in the class. And he could he could shoot a little bit. He could shoot better than Sharif certainly, but like he, and he was certainly taller than Sharif, but like couldn't stick at all because like, if you can't play defense on the perimeter at all and you, are not a shooter that can keep people honest. Like your passing doesn't do a lot.
0: Yeah. I, to I, be I, fair, I,
1: I love Sharif. I really want him to figure it out. I want him to be like an NBA average shooter so that he can stick and be insanely fun when he gets in there. But I, I have real
0: concerns. I think the shooting might not be as bad as the numbers show. I mean, he shot 83% from the line on 103 attempts. Like he got to the, yeah. end the line. I think he was taking a lot of really tough off the dribble type stuff. So you know, that's to fair too. the catch and shoot could be better, but I mean, yeah, it's ugly. It's 13 to 57. It's a pretty small sample though. So perhaps there's a little more to it. I don't know how yeah. he's been shooting in workouts, uh, but they've got two picks here. So I'm, I'm going with a little bit more of a gamble for them. Yeah, that's fair. I, I do worry that like, I,
1: I agree that I don't think that is like form itself is broken or whatever. I just worry that some of it is just that he's small, you know? And so it's, it's going to be hard to shoot over dudes when you're, when you're so small and so slight um but you're right that also much like book night that maybe the shooting is better than what it indicated uh just because of the role that he played i think that's fair uh and again i i had some concerns about size for trey young also and that ended up being fine so what what the fuck do i know um i want trey man here um speaking of our beloved florida gators um Speaking of bad defenders also, but I think he's a really great shooter. I think that the Knicks could really use a guy like him. Um, I think that he's still got to put on some weight. Obviously he's also mostly a perimeter player, but like they've got Randall, they've got Barrett, they've got guys that uh, they've got Rose still, at least uh, for now. Uh, I mean, they've got guys who go downhill. I think having a guy that mostly exists on the perimeter just to make jump shots is a guy they could really, really use, um especially off the bounce guys that can pull up uh you know rj as much as i love him not the best pull-up shooter in the world derrick rose not the best pull-up shooter in the world julius randall not the best pull-up shooter in the world so i, I mean getting better a couple of those guys yes but like i i think trey man could come in and be a really net positive uh shooter for them right away uh and also the the defense i mean thibodeau will just get on his ass about Effort at least, and if it's and he can show some effort, and then that would be fine.
0: That's probably the biggest flaw in my Cooper pick is the Thibodeau is not going to deal with that defense, so that, that, <laughs> that might not make sense. <laughs> yeah, but 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 Cooper does, he plays hard, you yeah. know.
1: Yeah. Uh, Atlanta, speaking of Trey Young, uh, Atlanta number 20, I believe.
0: What do you have here? I went Jared Butler mostly, just I think he's too good to keep falling. Uh, they, they definitely value shooting quite a bit in Atlanta, uh, so I think that fit makes sense. They've, they've got a pretty solid backcourt rotation with, with Herter and, and Young already, Bogdanovich, but adding another uh, score off the bench, they had to go to Chris Dunn at times in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. That's, that's not great. I mean, they've got a pretty strong rotation. <laughs> really, it's just a, a strong young nucleus, so they don't need a ton, but I, I gave them a, one of the better shooters in the draft here.
1: Yeah, I there are a couple of guys I think that are maybe higher upside guys than the guy I'm about to take, but you know, for the role. And I actually think this guy has a little more upside than maybe people give him credit for. Uh, I'm going to go Deuce McBride here um, at number 20. I was hoping Um, he'd make
0: it to the Bucks at 31. How dare you?
1: No, I don't. I can't imagine that happening. Um, No, it won't. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, really, again, point of attack defender uh, for a point guard. You know, I really like that. 6'2 height, maybe not great, but the 6'9 wingspan and the 200-pound frame uh, is awesome. Elite motor. uh, And also just Trey Young needs a backup who's capable exactly like you said. I think that uh, the Deuce McBride could come in right away and be better than Chris Dunn. Uh, Maybe not at defense, but just at the role in general. Uh, I could definitely see him. I think early on when I was putting this together, I considered putting him at the Clippers to be sort of like Patrick Beverly esque, right. You know, like sort of, I I feel like that's the sort of world if everything broke right. And it was a best case scenario, he could be like, a Patrick Beverly who also kind of shoots threes every once in a while. I mean, like that would be just a phenomenal role. And I feel like he's the smart enough sort of dude that would, would understand what his role should be in the NBA as well. Uh, and I really value guys like that. So
0: that's my dude there. Uh, 21, another Knicks pick here. I went another high upside. since I got the two picks. I went Keon Johnson. I think he's going to fit the Thibodeau mold more because of the outstanding defense. He has his, very big time shooting concerns, but he makes a lot of, he's in the Kai Jones, holy shit factor type of type of player. Sure. I mean, he had some block shots, some dunks that really jump off the page. He's an incredible athlete, but just needs a little more refinement in that system.
1: I want Usman Garuba here. Uh, I know that's something that I think like Vassini did and a couple other guys did um, because <laughs> I know the line that I think Vassini's now said a hundred times. this podcast: like, if Thibodeau loves Taj Gibson, he's going to love Usman Garuba. <laughs> Like, okay, fair. Right. I know nothing about Usman Garuba. I know uh, a couple of guys say he's one of, if not the best defender in the class in terms of big men. Great. You know um, (laughs) that, that will fit Thibodeau to a T. It would certainly be the sort of thing that with Mitchell Robinson might be interesting. I don't really know what exactly they do with the rotations there with that and Randall and all the other stuff. uh, But Again, I, I I think that you worry about those problems later if you've got a guy that you think is a really
0: good defender like that. Yeah, it's tough for the Knicks that Obi Toppin is already kind of an afterthought in, in the long term plans. Man, doesn't that suck? But but it, that's so much because of the role. I mean, like
1: like put him on a different team. Like if he had been drafted by like let's say the Warriors or something like that. Like like there are teams that would know what to do with him. You know, like and I just I don't think is that guy.
0: The Lakers, my hometown Lakers, uh, twenty two. I gave them Trey Murphy for all the reasons you said uh, a guy that can play right away, provide that off the, off the ball shooting and defense. I think that's a great fit next to the the guys they already have in there.
1: Yeah. I took Springer here. I, I do worry about the shot, but I do think that the Lakers could definitely use a guy who could create shots for himself, who could do some dribble driving. And certainly because the Lakers like Schroeder, obviously, Uh, Maybe not exactly what they wanted there last year. Some other things. I think that uh, having somebody who could be a defender at the point of attack against guards so that LeBron and Anthony Davis don't have to worry about that, uh, I think would be great. Um, obviously I don't think they're going to either keep this pick or they're going to draft some point guard themselves. So maybe this is, it's impossible to draft the Lakers. Cause like, they're just never going to do what you think they're going to do there. Cause they're probably just going to trade it. Uh, Houston 23. This is where I put Keon Johnson, actually. Um, another guy who might be the best athlete in the draft. Uh, he's very, very high up there. I kind of go back to what I said. So I I looked up what I said about Jalen Brown in 2016 because I I kind of get some shades here a little bit. And so this is exactly what I said about Jalen Brown in 2016. I said uh, it's not going to matter if he can make a three-pointer at a uh, 35-plus percent clip uh, and get harder to stop going to the rack if he fixes those uh, I believe he can be a starter for a long time, maybe even have all-star potential, but that's a ways away from where he is now. Right. So obviously it worked out for Jalen Brown very, very well. And again, he was a guy who a lot of people said was a very high character guy, etc. So maybe, maybe I should have considered that a little bit further. He was also um, coached by
0: Conzo Martin, which. Throttled his offensive abilities.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, you know, it's not like Rick Barnes is necessarily known for uh, extracting the most in college out of his high talent guys. Um, I'm going to talk about Tennessee in a, in a little bit, but yeah, um, I just think you got to you got to take a shot because, like, if if Keon can be a 38% three point shooter, I think he's potentially an all star, and if he's a 35% shooter then maybe you call him like miles bridges and split the difference, something like this. And then if he is 33% or lower, like he's probably not a starter, right? Like there's, there's a really, really wide swing with him that completely boils down to whether he can shoot or not. And right now he, I just don't think can shoot at all. So I think I'm a little lower on him than most people for that reason. But again, I was lower on Jalen Brown than most people also. and And that blew up in my face.
0: Same. I was very wrong about Jalen Brown. Uh, I, I gave them Jalen Johnson from Duke just because I think Houston's <laughs> taking taking gambles here. I gave sure. Jalen Johnson and Garuba uh, just some younger guys that I think they can at least try to develop. And especially Jalen Johnson has some pedigree that you can work off of and try to hope that that, that Duke season was just a nightmare. But his senior year in high school was kind of a nightmare too, so you're you're really not sure what you're getting. But I'm I'm yeah. giving Houston all this uh this free space to gamble with their multiple first rounders. What's what's the Jalen Johnson upside? I think he's a really good passer. I, I loved watching his tape in high school. Of that, uh, he, he's I think there's something more there in terms of a shot creator and a shooter. He's a little like Zaire Williams, where I think you kind of have to throw out last year. I don't know what was going on in his head. I don't have as many concrete reasons to throw. But out when last year. I was about to say, but when you factor in the senior year of high
1: school, I think it's harder to completely toss some of those concerns. I, so the passing is something that comes up a lot. But like as somebody who watched literally every single Duke game last I year, I shouldn't have
0: brought up a Duke guy. This is no, 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 stuff. no. He's no gonna I'm not get gonna, dunked on.
1: No, <laughs> no, no, not at all. In fact, I. I'm the person who's lower on Jalen Johnson than most as the Duke guy.
0: That's what I mean. You're, you're going to be able to you know you cite specific plays that I don't have. I
1: just you – know. no, like his passing, his vision is really good. I don't know that right now his ability to get the ball where he wants it to go matches his vision. I do think he's got good vision for the passing, but his turnover rate was not good, and a lot of that was because – he would force the issue on passes where you've got to be able to put that shit on like a saucer and like, he just couldn't do it yet. Right yeah. now, again, maybe that's, maybe that's youth and you can toss that out. And maybe it's chemistry. You can toss that in as well. And, and I think that's completely fair. The thing that I come back to with Jalen a lot uh, and I have somebody very high on Jalen coming in, he can't shoot. Um, he, I think he did a good job making the widest open three point attempts. Like I forget what his, his three point, uh, is much like Jaden Springer where like he took like one, a game or whatever. And the percentage is not bad, but like his free throw shooting was like 60 ish percent, you know? So like his handle is real high. It's real loose. He's got a lot of desire for the splashy play, which I like, but then he's forcing the issue in half court he can't do anything right now just straight up he's not a half court player at all and transition is where his value is entirely but in the nba you've got to play half court like guys who are only transition guys just aren't really net positive playoff guys yeah. and then his and then his defense is a is appalling and he's not as athletic as people think i think he's got good straight line athleticism but side to side his athleticism is really bad so then What are you looking at? You're looking at a guy who is slower, less athletic, Ben Simmons, who doesn't play defense. So then
0: like, I mean, you probably just described the absolute worst version of him because last year was the absolute worst version. I mean, he won a state title his junior year. Like he wasn't a terrible player in high school. It just kind of fell apart. But I I think that when you're, but when you're
1: in high school and you're six, six, seven, six, eight, as he was in high school, and you can pass over the top of, you know, a bunch of like skinny white dudes. I mean, like, I, I do think that that helps a lot. I mean, I do think that he's the sort of player that has obvious advantages at lower levels that then when you move up in level and you realize that he's maybe not as athletic as one would think and, and not as able to convert. I do think that's why he ended up turning the ball over so much last year is because this passes he made in, he was in Wisconsin, right? He's a Wisconsin guy, much like you. Yep. Um, (laughs) <laughs> he could have played against you. If you were younger, uh- <laughs> he was a
0: higher, higher division. He was the top. The oh, biggest, okay. Big, Fair enough division in the state. Yeah. yeah. But
1: like, I, I think those passes that he completed in high school and that made those mixtapes incredible, just he couldn't complete in college because the game is faster, you know? So then I guess you're, then I guess it comes down to, do you think that he can speed up? Like, do you think he can get comfortable at that higher level, despite the fact that maybe he's not as athletic, he's no longer going to be the most athletic dude on the floor, I I don't deny that his upside is really high, but, like, I I do when I read a lot of the guys at the – like, not at the Athletic, but, like, at many places being, like, oh, but the upside is, like, so high. It's like, but, like, what – but what is it? Other than the fact that he's a pretty – that he's a good – he's got good vision for passing at 6'9". Like, what, what is the upside beyond that? And I struggle to pin it down, frankly.
0: I think you're underselling the athleticism. I mean, it just – I, I'm not. I don't watch him as much as you, but his steal and block rates are very solid for a guy playing he, in the ACC. That's true.
1: His weak side shot blocking, I think, is really strong. I, I and again, I think that's his penchant for the uh, for the splashy play. I think he also got caught abandoning his man in order to go for the block a lot, but also, sure. I guess that's also a five star freshman thing that that happens I, I, to a lot of kids. I
0: just think when you have what do they have four first? I think they have four first rounders. A guy with the sized skill sure. pedigree is a worthy gamble for for the Rockets. I'm not I'm not like high on Jalen Johnson. I'm just saying right. a team like the Rockets that needs to hit Homers, why not here? I do think that if anybody takes him that a Houston or an Oklahoma City
1: taking him yep. makes complete sense. Um, because yeah, I think he's a developmental player completely here. Um yeah, and that, that upsets me. I really, really want Jalen Johnson to be like a lottery pick and like you know crush it. That would help with recruiting. Um, when even the guy that like had the disaster season destroys in the NBA or whatever, you know, I'm really rooting for him. But I, I really struggle. I yeah, I already said I had Keon uh, at the next pick. Was that so? Was that your twenty three? or Was that your twenty four?
0: That was twenty three. Then Garuba, I gave him the twenty
1: four. Okay, great. I have Isaiah Jackson twenty four. Uh, I already mentioned. Uh, yeah, again, Capella ask. Uh, I don't know that it translates to lottery for me personally, uh, but that's largely not because of his skill, because I really do think he has an obvious role uh, and he has some pretty good upside. It's more just that I don't really value big men like that, generally speaking in the draft, um, because I mean, I think you could get a lot of guys in free agency who could probably do at least some of the things that Isaiah Jackson could do three years from now. So if you have a chance to like take a shot at a wing that's not as good as Isaiah Jackson is at being a big, then you probably just take it. But yeah, uh, twenty five Clippers.
0: I got I got Trey Man here, uh, I just Great I, Mostly because I want Terrence Mann and Trey Man on the same team. Ah, <laughs> the men. Of man's lighting it up from the corner. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, but no, just another another bigger playmaker. Yeah, without Kawhi, it's kind of like, what what is their trajectory this year? That's that's kind of a... I mean... So they could go in a lot of different directions. So it's mostly, a, I just think Trey Mann's pretty solid with the ball in his hands. He, he was really good out of the pick and roll last year, surprisingly. And like you said, knockdown shooter. I'm one of the rare dudes who thinks that
1: Paul George will be a lot better without Kawhi. I think that Paul George kind of like Jimmy Butler seems to me like one of those dudes who like, if he's the dude he's unlocked. And then if he's like, not necessarily the dude, then it's like, well, what, what's my role? What do I do? How do I push, you know? And then, and then it has like sort of these, these highs and these lows. And so I sort of feel like without Kwai, there is a chance that maybe like, we see an incredible Paul George next season. I feel like it's not not a zero percent chance there.
0: Yeah, I I just even if there's incredible Paul George, what what is that team? Are they yeah, the, the, I mean the five seed in the West type. Yeah, of
1: middling middling playoff team. Sure. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with a a guy from your team, the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'm gonna go Herb Jones here, Ooh. Uh, which might be a little on the high side potentially. Uh, but I'm really, really stoked on what his upside is. I I love the size. I love the quickness. I love the defense. I think he's switchable through four positions right now, maybe even five, if he can bulk up, I don't know what his frame could hold, but like, you know, there's some possibilities there for being like a really, really net positive NBA defender. I think he's a really good passer for the wing um I think he's a really high character guy I've I, I've loved I would have drafted him last year frankly um the so the fact that he came back I mean I'm just I'm a big big believer in what he brings to the table obviously the jump shot is tough <laughs> it's bad it's
0: bad yeah I mean he made shots last year but it's it's not projectable yeah
1: I think I think Vassini pointed out in his thing that like you know is he as good as Justin uh, is he as good as Justice Winslow today at the things that he is good at probably not and justice winslow struggles to get on the court just because he can't make a jump shot so in that regard that's really tough right but i do think that on a contender having a guy that can come in and be like we've we've seen some of these guys like i mean pj tucker's obviously world's better than herb jones but we've we've seen guys who are maybe not like great offense players or guys who contribute a lot on that end but who but who end up playing a lot if they can be net positive defenders who can pass the ball who can be good team players uh you know have good chemistry and i do believe in
0: jones in that regard um yeah pj's whole thing in the playoffs was just attack the offensive glass and jones will do that he'll do every for sure piece of dirty work you want he played swipe like at the ball rest as a junior and just yeah. played with the cast on like he's a gamer he, he will battle
1: yeah i've i've had him i've had him as a first round value again for for more than a season now so um i can't i can't back away now denver 26
0: deuce deuce mcbride here nice Uh, i didn't save him for the bucks as much as i wanted to but their backcourt (laughs) depth really got exposed in the playoffs without jamal murray and will barton i'm not sure if barton's going to be around uh it's just another really solid defender i mean they have Monty morris maybe you'd like a slightly bigger guard for them but I just think he's excellent. I, I like, I've been wishing for him for the box, but uh, yeah, I think it's a good fit for a team that needs more backcourt depth.
1: Yeah. I took bones Highland here for more or less the same reasons that you just said. Uh, I think he's a really good ball handler, good pull-up shooter, really good finisher at the rim. Um, I think he's a good guy to just come off the bench and like burn guys. Uh, not a great defender, not a great passer, but like a lot of those guys who just come off the bench and burn dudes uh are, are not really that sort of thing anyway <laughs> right yeah. like so if you just want a guy to come in and and, and burn second units i i do kind of think bones Highland would sneakily be ready to
0: do some of that right away yep i have him going shortly to another playoff team so i like that
1: brooklyn my my boy Kyrie, the brooklyn nets
0: who are we going I'm here? Curious. I'm curious what you did. It's hard to figure out what to do with them. This uh,
1: one was a tough one. This is why I ended up. I ended up going with a pretty hot take here. But I want. I want to know
0: yours first. Mine might be hot too. I gave him Io Desumu. Uh, it's it's almost like a Spencer Dinwiddie replacement in a way where he it can be bad. a little, little secondary ball handler uh, when they when they sit one of those guys. But I mean, really, that whole team you don't need ball handling you need kind yeah. of scoring off the ball but i like to see ability to handle the ball shoot I, I thought he became a much better shooter as his career went on uh and, and really just kind of a, a a competent basketball player good defender yeah. in, the, in the illinois system so they're just trying to find guys that they can actually get on the floor because it, it's hard to find role players when you can't pay anybody anything
1: yeah i think uh, and he's uh, i have him going next to philly at 28 um another high character guy here. Right. Um, even, even if you're worried about his jumper, he's shown the propensity to improve. And, and I think that even if he's never like an elite shooter, I think he can be a pretty good shooter. And because he can create his own shot, I, I think that that gives you a lot of what you need. Anyway, he's got good positional size, good defender, good athlete, good passer. He wants the ball in the big moments, uh, in college. I think going back to school the way that he did showed a lot, frankly, um showed he's willing to gamble on himself so he doesn't lack confidence uh, I mean even if you think the jumper is iffy i think you have to take him here and honestly if you think he's if you think he's going to be a net positive shooter you probably take him closer to like 20 honestly um but just because everything else he does is really good um and again if i think if the jumper is 38 plus percent you know he might have some starter upside down the road but but worst case scenario he's a good bench guy he's a good bench burner You know, like like we talked about with Bones Highland a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think Brooklyn would love someone like Trey Murphy to be there, but I can't imagine. Oh, yeah, there's
1: no way. All right. So my hot take, (laughs) and it's a guy uh actually got that got mentioned earlier in the podcast.
0: I'm gonna go Jericho Sims here. Oh, just are they they just suffering from Jared Allen withdrawals or what?
1: Yeah, I mean I'm higher on Jericho Sims than most dudes. Um, and here's why. I mean, like I do think it's because he knows his role. I think there's, there are few people and he's shown the willingness to do so in Texas. Right. I think he's got more upside than he's shown because of the people that he's played with in Texas. Right. He's, he's had to compete for, for time and attention with so many people and so many guards that want to chuck threes and whatever. Right. Like, but, and he's been willing to go along with whatever he thinks the team needs and so okay so maybe he's not like an alpha dog necessarily but i tell you what he does do he's a terrific rim runner he's a really good rim protector even at 6'9 he's a really good leaper he's got 7'3 wingspan really good timing on blocks like he's not going to be anthony davis or anything but like i think he's going to be a very competent rim protector at the next level i think he's a good mover on the perimeter for a guy his size again not really a switcher necessarily but more equipped to switching on defense than most of the bigs in this draft uh and and he knows his role on offense he's gonna set picks he's gonna go to the rim he's gonna jump he's gonna catch lobs like Kyrie Irving and James Harden just like tossing lobs Jericho Sims you know what I mean like he could catch those he, he's gonna put put back dunks on fools he's gonna grab offensive boards he's not a shooter he knows he's not a shooter Right, he grabs the ball, he chucks it back out to the guards. I mean, like that's what he did at Texas. That's what he can do in the NBA. Uh, There's higher upside bigs than him. I mean, I think there's higher upside bigs beneath where I'm taking him here. But like, if I'm a defend, if I'm a contender and I want a defensive minded big who's going to get the ball back to my guards, who's going to grab, you know, boards, who's going to set picks, who's going to run to the rim and catch lobs. I just think this is kind of a really great match in terms of what his skills are and what Brooklyn really needs.
0: There's one other big that I, I might like a little more in that role. And I'm, I'm taking him in two picks, but Sims is, oh, Sims is good.
1: We yeah. might be picking the same person in two picks. Okay. Who oh, are you taking that. to Philly? I'm doing Ayodele Sunmu uh, at 28. I already sort of said what I like about him. Who are you taking to Philly?
0: I'm giving him Cam Thomas. Let him get buckets off the bench for that team. Yeah. They need some scoring. Uh, I, I guess they're starting to get that with Tyrese Maxey. Maybe they're a little bit, redundant but yeah. i think they just need some shooting and, and you could play maxi more as like a one creator and thomas's off ball and, and just Maybe. the guy that gets buckets
1: yeah cam cam gives me that gives me some similar concerns to sharif a little bit in terms of like well what does he do when he's not scoring nothing, nothing. yeah nothing. nothing at all but like who scores better than cam thomas in this draft probably not a lot of people um i would i would be more inclined to take him at like the very very top of the second but i realize he's probably going to go closer to 20 than i have him i'm i'm lower than most just because if like the shot's not falling then what does he do but again i also sort of said the same thing about tj warren who has ended up being a really you know decent scorer in the nba shot, as the well. shot is
0: always falling for cam thomas it's always yeah. falling
1: <laughs> if the shot is going then then your money phoenix 29 who's your big man you're taking here
0: I almost went Dayron Sharp, but I think... That's who I, I went with. <laughs> I, I, I thought about him, but the other one I, I like, it. maybe I'm just overstepping when we talk about our second-round sleepers. I think Nimi Keita is going to be like... Yes! Oh, useful... yes! <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. He's going to be useful as a rim protector. I mean, they're, you know, they're not going to yes. need a whole lot else out of him. They're not going to use him as like a post-fulcrum offensively at all. So he's got to learn to play like that, the, the Jericho Sims role, as you mentioned, like yeah. the the screen and rim run type stuff. But I just think his defensive potential is so big. He hasn't figured out how to play in space yet. And that's going to be tough, but we saw in yeah. the finals, how bad they were with their big man depth. And I think you have to go big in some direction here.
1: Yes, yeah, so I want to talk about Kata for a second. Cause I'm, I'm a big believer in Kata and most of the draft uh, mock drafts. I've seen him in are taking him in like the forties, fifties. Like I would definitely take him like beginning of the second, at least, um, I've been high on him since his freshman year, really, uh, you know, great NBA size, good athleticism for his size. You know, he's not Evan Mobley, but he's not like Jakob Purtle. you know, <laughs> like he, he moves really well, uh, elite at protecting the rim, elite defensive rebounder, elite shot blocker. I feel like, and he's a good passer for a big, good post-up guy. Uh, if this was 2014, he's probably a top 14 pick,
0: right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Play through the sky offensively. Yeah. Totally.
1: Right. Um, I I get I'm obviously concerned about the lateral movement. He obviously can't be a switchable defender at the NBA. There's there's no way, right? Um, and I know he he clearly fancies himself a pick and pop guy a little bit. Um, I think you could argue maybe he could be at least competent. He's a 70% free throw shooter, could be worse. Uh, I'm a big believer in him. Uh, I am gl- I love that you took him in the first round. I love it. I did take Sharp. Um, I, I also, probably
0: should have gone Sharp, but I just no. wanted to talk about Kata.
1: I also can't not take, as the Duke guy, if I left Daron Sharp out of the first round, I would hear about it from some of my followers. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that he's ever like a starter just because I, I don't think he can shoot either. But, you know, I, I think he's smart. I think he's really high motor. Uh, really good at just crashing the boards like harder than anyone else. He doesn't shy away from physical play. And I think guys like that for Phoenix in particular, I, that's exactly what they needed in these playoffs, right? Like anybody to give Ayton just a tiny bit of relief, like Frank, the tank just can't do that. You know? Um, and once Crazy they,
0: they took Jalen Smith 10th and he just couldn't do it.
1: There was a terrible pick like i had him we did we did our mock i did a mock draft here and i think i had him in like the mid-20s and he went 10 and i spit my beer everywhere yeah um yeah absolutely stunning um that's why you don't draft a guy like that (laughs) um yeah i I do worry about sharp that he's only like six eleven with a seven foot wingspan and he's not like the most athletic dude in the world he's like kind of average size average athleticism so like really he's got to outwork people otherwise he's not going to be an nba player really but like i i do think phoenix would have loved him last year i think they would love to have him this coming year it would be weird drafting sharp or even kata right after smith (laughs) but (laughs) you know i think sharp could come in for 12 to 15 minutes a game and just annoy the shit out of people you know which is exactly what you want
0: yeah exactly totally Uh, and then last pick, 30, Utah. I gave him Bones. Gave him hot high, Bones Highland as kind yeah. of the breed him into the point guard of the future. Another score off the bench. I mean, hopefully a guy that can defend a little bit. I mean, VCU was a a pretty solid defensive team while he's been there. But uh, like you said, the pull-up shooting is really the the huge skill for him and they they really value shooting and ball movement on that team.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think they they defend well enough that a lot of the guys that I would have going next, like a lot of higher upside guys just aren't defenders. And so like, it's really, really hard to put somebody there. I'm going to go Josh Primo here. um, Just solely on the upside. And also on the fact that like, if they bring Conley back, then they're probably just going to run it back, you know, and like not really introduce a bunch of new bodies and new minutes and new people. So you could have him be a guy who just is a, as a project, right? Um, I know a lot of people said he could have potentially been a lotto guy if he had stayed another year, uh, that he's got good size. He's a good shooter. uh, He's, you know, good at moving his feet. Not really necessarily a great defender now, but again, good potential. Certainly, I think better potential than the next guys on my board like Cooper or Thomas or some of these other guys, right? Um, So, yeah, I, I think that worst case scenario, they stash him, And best case scenario, if he turns out that he's not bad, then they could slide him in and give him 10 to
0: 12 minutes a game right away. Yep, I love Primo. I think the the knockout who was like, oh, he didn't show any playmaking. He doesn't do anything other than shoot, but he didn't have any opportunity to. And I think the the talk about None. it is that he was yeah. very good, about, good at it in high school and has shown it in workouts. So hopefully he can expand on his game.
1: And I think going to a contender also would be great for exactly that, right? Because then he doesn't have to be a playmaker, right? Like he can catch the ball, shoot it, be a team defender, do these things yep um that's our first round do you have any do you have any second round guys that you
0: really like well i mentioned Keta, and then I, I just wrote down two more that i think will deliver value wherever they go which seems to be 40s 50s type of spots uh i really like joel ayay sure. I, I just think he's smart he's still pretty young for having been in college for four years he, he was 16 when he got there uh he can shoot great cutter he does the dirty work. He, he, he will rebound really well for a guard. I think he'll be just a, a solid bench role player for somebody. And then I think Isaiah Livers will carve out mm. a role somewhere. because he, He's got size. He can shoot the lights out. And he was really well coached in college with John Howard, some of the pro-style uh, tenets that I, I think Wagner is getting bumped for. I think Livers will you – know, he's not the same kind of defender even close, but uh, he can shoot and he'll be competent on that end in my opinion. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think guys that can shoot and can defend competently, like now I know. The, so the, in the athletic piece that I think it was Seth Davis's piece with like the 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 fake scout or whatever, where he's compiling all the stuff that the other scouts said. I, I a line stuck with me. The line about Aaron Henry, where he was like, "There's like a dozen guys in the G League exactly like this," <laughs> you know. So every time I want to be like, "This guy can shoot and defend," he'll he'll find a spot somewhere. I do kind of sit and think like there's probably a lot of guys that can shoot and defend in the G league, you know? Um, But I, but I think the same about uh, especially AI I'm pretty high on him. Um, My guys that were not mentioned, I mean, obviously there's like the high upside guys that I feel like we should mention, like Josh Christopher. I have Jalen Johnson as a second round grade for me. Uh, bj boston uh you know guys that like if things could click who had nightmare seasons but if things go well maybe some things you know uh certainly at least guys like bj boston have uh people advocating for their character as well not everybody has that but like you know, maybe it was just a, maybe it was just a nightmare. Right. And so then if you take a gamble, especially if you're a team, like an OKC, like a Houston, you know, a team that wants to stash and, and roll with it, a guy like BJ Boston, who is like a top five guy coming into college, I mean, maybe has some stuff there. Obviously last year was an absolute disaster, but you know, maybe, maybe you can throw the tape out with that. Just like with Zaire, just like with, with some of the other people. Um The guys that I really like, uh, I like Austin Reeves. Um, I like him to be sort of like the next, you know, Alex Caruso, Grayson Allen, you know, just annoying sort of mean mugging white boy guard kind of guy who can shoot, who's a a pretty good ball handler, uh, who's high motor, who's who's just going to be a good bench guy, right? Like not going to be a starter, not going to, you know, be super high upside or anything. But like if you're a contender who needs somebody who can give you minutes, I feel like Austin Reeves, despite the numbers in Oklahoma, like I I just don't think the Oklahoma numbers are representative of his true shooting. We saw at Wichita state, he, he can be an elite shooter if he's not the guy and there's no chance he's the guy in the NBA. So, I mean, like, I think that that would be a lot of fun to see. Um, And then Quentin Grimes, uh, I just, uh, his story also does, even though I, I try to stay away from the narratives, but like, the fact that like he could have just crumbled as being like – or he could have just gone after freshman year and been like, fuck it, I had a bad year, but like I'm just going to go and hope somebody takes me, and God bless. You know The fact that he came back, he worked really hard, he was a great shooter, uh, a net positive defender also. So now he's kind of like a legitimate 3 and D candidate off the bench. Um, and again, I think the team that needs somebody right away could find somebody in Grimes that might be able to give them some minutes.
0: Yeah, it's a, a name I've seen for my bucks at thirty-one, and I'm I'm okay with it. I think it's who fine. who do you who
1: do you want? That's a realistic second rounder for your bucks at thirty-one.
0: McBride's the one I really want. I saw I don't think at, that's realistic. <laughs> there were a couple where I saw him actually maybe. mock mock to them, so that's what made me think it was realistic. Assume actually. he's assume he's off the table. Who else? Uh, I would be okay with Robinson Earl. Uh, I, I, it's not interesting. So it's a little bit of a weird fit, but maybe he can be some of the the Bobby Portis. Cause Bobby Portis is not coming back. So they're going to need yeah. a little bit of scoring off the bench and he's very, very skilled. He's not going to be as good as Portis right away, but uh, that's, that's somebody I think is probably lowish ceiling, but pretty high floor. Uh, I don't know. Some of these guards, like I would be okay with Grimes. I'd be okay with Bones Highland. If he fell to there, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see To Sumo potentially. I don't know. Do you think Robinson Earl can shoot? I do. I, I definitely okay. do. I, he didn't hit shots last year, but the mid-range, I thought he had pretty good touch. He sh- he shot pretty yeah. well from the free throw line, I believe. Uh, I, I believe he'll get there. This, those Villanova guys always seem to, to like Dante Cunningham became a pretty good shooter in, in the NBA, didn't he? Yeah, but I also think that before that run of
1: Josh Hart and them, that most Villanova players did not do well in the NBA. Like it's it's been a very recent thing. Right. Like, I, I'm i worried about the athleticism with him. Like, I, I love him. I think he's an awesome, like, super smart. Like, really, like, I think there is no doubt that he could be like the MVP of Euroleague. You know, like, I think he could, <laughs> I think he could destroy in Euroleague just because he's so fundamental and there's nothing he does poorly.
0: But I also am not sure what he does super well. Yeah. I, I saw they're shopping the pick to try to get somebody who's a little more of a fashion contributor. And I'm, very okay with that
1: yeah uh, if, if if Jerry shoots the ball I think he's a good role player but if he can't shoot the ball I don't know that he's an NBA player um, what do we think of a uh, Sandro he's fine I, I like there's there's the part of me that like thinks that because stretch bigs are so in vogue that maybe he could carve out a little something something for
0: himself I don't know he's I, I loved watching him in college uh, I, just, yeah. I don't know he was like kind of given the do everything role at C yeah. hall and i think that made him look awesome but i'm not sure we'll, we'll see if he's got it in the pros i mean he's who, who do you think's a better, better than...
1: nba player sandra or luca luca garza not luca Doncic. i was like uh <laughs> what
0: who do you think's a better player luca Doncic or sandra <laughs> all right we're, at, we're really going talk radio now i, I would i, know, I would right. say mamu i i just think he's yeah. a little more versatile mobile and the offensive game fits modern game more than than Garza's. I guess Garza can kick some people's butts in second units during the regular season, but that's about it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, cool. So we've gone super long, uh, but real quick, I'd, I'd love to know some hot takes on the upcoming college season.
0: Uh, I, I I want you to start off. I'm trying to figure out what what how, how hot we're talking.
1: I'll start with one that's maybe not necessarily hot, Now, (laughs) but 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 I'm gonna roll with it. I have Texas number two on my preseason list. Wow, I'd say it's a little hot. Is that a little hot?
0: Are you how concerned are you with the floor? I mean, it's just so many high usage guys coming into one one unit. I I mean, I
1: trust Beard. I mean, most of it just comes down to like trust for Beard. I do think that a lot of those guys who came in came in sort of knowing what the deal was, right? Like because even guys like Christian Bishop who came in early. Like he knew there were like seven more scholarships or whatever. Like, did you think they're going to fill it with, you know, walk-ons or whatever? You know, like, I, I feel like he understood like, okay, this is going to be the sort of thing where we're going to be a high intensity defensive unit. We're going to do, you know, certainly some rotation of players. I definitely don't think it's going to be as sort of ball dominant on the guard side as it has been, uh, or at least of the same two guards that we've been used to seeing be very ball dominant. I think beard has enough bodies that if that's not working out, he can, you know, make some changes there and that he's got the pedigree of, of coaching at this point, that people probably just have to listen to him a little bit. Um, I do think it's a different situation for him, certainly, but like, also he's never had this many I mean I guess that's a that's a pro and a con right he's never had this much talent but yep. like I I look at that roster and i look at that coach versus I mean like who else is is being put at number two
0: Villanova that's uh, Villanova Kansas you uh, a lot of people have UCLA there
1: well I think that's insane uh Villanova is the one that intrigues me, but like also like if your best players are like Justin Moore and Colin Gillespie versus Texas, who has like five or six players that are, you know, like
0: who could start for Villanova,
1: you know what I mean? There'll be like no
0: Justin Moore slander on this podcast.
1: No, I love Justin. Yeah. He's, he, <laughs> I think he, if they reach their ceiling, he's their best player next year. Yeah. You know um, but yeah, I think that there's a little more question in terms of depth there, Kansas. Kansas is the more intriguing one to me, but I kind of trust Beard more than self, which is maybe also insane considering self's pedigree. But you'll, you'll get yelled at by Kansas fans if you say that. I have been in the past. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I'm Kansas is not one of the schools that because I'm a Duke fan is like, oh, it's just bias. Like Kansas fans know that Duke fans don't really care about kansas kansas does their thing duke does their thing you know it's fine um kansas would be my number three though i mean like kansas and texas would be neck and neck but i do think that texas is upside give p- puts them at number two for me
0: okay uh, i'll say I, I, it's not scorching but they haven't done it in a really really long time so i will say purdue making the final four is semi hot take. okay no i, I am, like that i'm all in on Jaden ivy i think yeah there are people that are smart college basketball minds that are pumping the brakes on them. And they're saying, you know, you need a little more guard play. Uh, Ivy was not super efficient last year. You can't just bank on the last couple of games, but I think it's a different situation than rocket Watts. It's not apples to apples. I I think he's awesome. He was so good in the the Phoebe U19 stuff. He's just such a sudden athlete. He's very decisive as a playmaker. I'm, I'm very in on Purdue and I'm kind of backing myself into that corner
1: now. Plus they're big men. I mean, like, I think again, like years and years of watching goddamn UNC do this. Like if you're zigging when everyone else is zagging, that is not a bad thing, right? Like if you have a ton of big man talent as Purdue generally has, and as they definitely have this coming season, I mean, like, what are they going to do? I mean, we're kind of what, this is a completely different situation, obviously, but we're watching team USA who structured their entire shit around not really playing true bigs go up against teams with true bigs and then be like, well, damn, what do we do when these guys are just so much bigger than
0: us, you know, like totally different game there in feedback. I know it's totally, I know it's different. Well, Oh, you're talking about the Damian Lillard uh, quote, presumably. Well, no, I was more just saying like, you can't expect to play the same way you play in NBA playoffs as you would in FIBA. Like, I I think that was a mistake by, by team USA.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I made fun of on Twitter, obviously Dame's quote about like, Oh, these guys, uh, they play a lot harder when they're playing for like their, when they're playing for their country. It's like, you think Evan Fournier, when he's making millions of dollars in the NBA, isn't like, man, I better bust my ass. Like, no, he just, he, he just picked you apart, dude, deal with it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I have a Purdue futures bet. Um, I placed it basically right after last season because I felt very good about them. And I think that Matt painters just do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Um, my next hot take, uh, I, and this is, I'm going to hedge a tiny bit. I'm going to pull a Matt here just slightly. I'm not convinced I have UCLA winning the pack 12.
0: I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm not going to, do you what, do, do you
1: UCLA. do you have do you have UCLA winning the Pac-12?
0: I have them as the highest-rated team in my power rankings right now, which doesn't Fair. necessarily equal performance over the, the, sure. the length of a, a season. Um, I just it's it's hard for me to not trust Altman and Oregon to get that I done. Uh, I, I like the roster he's put together. It's going to maybe take a little time in the non-conference, but this year is the perfect year. Well, not last year was the wrong year to have a lot of different pieces. Yeah this year he's going to have the time to get it together and i don't know i, I just think ucla hit a lot of happy circumstances last year with choosing shot making opponents missing shots and it's led to a little inflation i, I only have them like ninth in the country which is still yeah. high but i think i have them 10th but yeah. yeah yeah um people just love
1: when they make the shots in the dance i mean y- y'all have talked about it on your show already um but yeah you just can't if they lost to michigan state nobody's putting them top three. There's no way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I trust Altman more than Cronin end of the day. Altman has four regular season titles in the last six seasons. Mcronin has two ever, you know yeah, what I mean? Like
0: in the American and yeah. Yeah.
1: Like that's, that's a really hard thing to get past. And then if you like who Altman's bringing in, I mean, if you're adding double figure scores from big 10 ACC and big 12, all of which are traditionally better conferences than the PAC 12, I mean, you've you've got to feel pretty good. I mean, this is not like who was the was it Elijah Brown? Was that the dude's name from New Mexico? Or who was the New yeah. Mexico? But yeah. yeah, I mean, Elijah this is Brown, not the chucker. This is not one of those, right? This is not a, like a a mid major or lower major guy coming in who is a high usage dude. I mean, like they're bringing in guys who have played high major basketball, higher major than the Pac-12. So yeah, I, I
0: trust Altman in these situations. I don't have a ton of super hot takes yet, but another one I have is that BYU will beat Gonzaga once next year. Okay. I, I, I just, like that. I, Gonzaga's pretty, largely unanimous number one or, yeah. or close to consensus, but I think BYU is going to be top 25. I think Mark yeah. Pope is excellent. I think he will figure out a way to take advantage of Gonzaga's if he's shooting next season. And sure, I just think he's, he's too good to not eventually get it done, even though Gonzaga rocks.
1: And they all, and they they always play pretty close. I mean, even before Mark Pope, I mean, like, I feel like BYU Gonzaga is, is pretty heated. It's one of those things where the programs know each other really well and sort of know what they do. I mean, and again, we were talking earlier about, you know, gambling on conference play. That's just another thing that like throws such a huge wrinkle in your understanding of what the spread should be because they know each other better than we know. They know each other, you know? Yes. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't hate that. I hope Duke can beat Gonzaga in Vegas. I don't think it'll happen, but I would like, I would (laughs) like it to happen. Um, I've got Maryland. Now, now wait, this might be a little spoilery for your, uh, for your previews. So if you want to play it, close to the vest you don't have to say anything here uh Maryland are they top 25 in your top 40
0: I don't know what they are consensus and I won't look that up as a spoiler what are, are what own, are they on your personal I, they are tied for 25th in terms of rating okay with like six other teams so I don't think I have them in the top 25. Uh, so maybe, could, maybe I
1: don't have, a, maybe that's not that hot a take. I was going to say, I do not have Maryland in the top 25.
0: I'll do the Matt on the fence here. If they get Keith Williams from Cincinnati, who is yet to announce, I will probably oh, boost them up enough because they losing uh, Wiggins and Morsell has kind of def, deflated their wing rotation a bit, but if they get him, then they're kind of back up to. I
1: also don't know in. that like Wahab is going to help them much. Like I feel like the reason why they were sort of better than people expected last year is because of that versatility. And if they then go to Wahab who I know pictures himself being sort of like a stretch big, but I don't see it at all. I mean, like I don't see that being something that Turgeon can figure out necessarily in a very tough big 10 and a big 10 that's going to be very, very stacked at the top per usual, I suppose. Um, I'm not even convinced I would have them top five in the big 10.
0: Ooh. Um, I think I have them right in that fringe. You could talk yeah. me out of it for sure. Yeah. Uh, I just, yeah. I, I overreacted a little after they, they got the, the transfers incoming, coming, but once they lost Wiggins and, yeah. or, and more so I backed off.
1: Who did, do do you, do you like Indiana over Maryland? I do. Nice. Let's go, Jim. All right. I was going to put that. I was going to put that as also why I like uh, Maryland outside the top five, and I thought that was going to be hot, but Jim came in with it. I love it. Uh, do, you have, do you have anything else, Jim?
0: No, and to be perfectly honest with you and the listeners, I have to go to the bathroom. Really I also really, really have to <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm
1: going gonna, I'm gonna to drop my two really quickly, and then we're going to get the fuck out of here. Uh, I think Tennessee has a better chance to win the SEC than people give credit for. That's my other hot. That's uh, yeah, another my Matt hot. Matt loves
0: Tennessee, so you'll you'll find a supporter there.
1: I just I, I saw the bet MGM numbers were and this is for the title, which is different than winning the SEC, obviously. But Alabama fourteen to one, Kentucky sixteen to one, Tennessee forty to one. I don't think it's that far apart. Yeah, I don't from think what so I saw. Um, and then Virginia, where 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 do you personally on your board have Virginia? I have them like thirty second. Oh, okay. Interesting. I feel like I feel really compelled to put them top four in the ACC on literally nothing other than Tony Bennett, basically. And like yeah. the fact that they've got some incoming people, they have not finished outside the top five in the ACC in a decade. And I saw them like sixth in betting futures in the ACC. I saw them ninth on Bart Torvik, obviously, obviously, Bartorvic is is skewed based on like returning talent versus whatever, right? So that's obviously not exactly necessarily what he thinks. But like I've seen a lot of people sort of having them outside that top five or pushing in that direction. And like that just feels like, like do I have that much more faith in Hubert Davis than Tony Bennett? Like even Mike Young, who I think is a is a really great coach and I really like what they bring back. Like, am I like a hundred percent confident that Virginia Tech is better than Virginia?
0: No, I'm not. I I have Virginia about a half point. Once Tyrese Radford left, I I bumped Virginia Tech down. So yeah, I have Virginia a hair behind Louisville for the fourth spot in the ACC. Uh, so I oh, guess. I oh, to, so outside you, you
1: outside have the top four. So it's not even that hot.
0: Great. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, hot? Ha, I have, the, I have the fifth right now. So oh, oh
1: in oh, the fifth yeah. outside the fourth. Yeah. I see. Understood. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Well then I'll take the half point and, and make it hot. There we go. Um, Jim, we both have to go to the bathroom. Tell the good people uh, where they can find you
0: at three MW underscore is our Twitter handle. That's where you get all the content. We're, we're tweeting out those, those daily top 40 countdown previews for the next 38 days after this. And then we'll have conference previews for all 32 leagues leading up to the, to the, uh, to the season We've got our three men. weave college basketball podcast. That's pretty much it right now, but we'll, we'll have some more things in the works as the season approaches. We'll be doing some more writing this year. Hopefully another daily show. We're not positive where it'll be this year, but nice. we'll be back out there. We'll, we'll have a lot of, of content come to the people. Once the season rolls around,
1: I would watch those in the morning. There's a lot of fun. The, uh, previews the conference previews they do and then obviously Jim's futures previews if you're a gambler strong strong recommendations uh they definitely reading those over the last couple of years have uh inspired me have stoked my flame uh in order to uh put a bunch of uh futures down i've definitely got a few i got Texas not at, at as good a number as Jim did but i got it very very early on and again Jim sort of uh, stoking the flame of making sure that people go in early uh, helped me with that a lot. So if I make money this year, Jim is to thank drinks in Vegas on me. Uh, (laughs) Thanks so much, Jim. This was an insanely long podcast. This was longer than I expected, but I think that's testament to the fact that I haven't had a chance to talk NBA draft with people or these prospects. And, uh, Talking with somebody who's like smart and awesome like you when it comes to this uh, is is a great pleasure. So thank you so much.
0: Of course, the takes were overflowing, so we had to get them out there somewhere.
1: That's true. That's true. I, there's only so much I can tell my wife what I think about Jane Springer. You know, she <laughs> just she couldn't give less of a shit. Uh, Jim, enjoy the bathroom. I'm going to enjoy the bathroom as well. To all of you out there, please enjoy your own personal bathrooms. This is Russell wow. Heinlein, and this is Ben. Two point one seconds to madness. Good night.
0: <laughs> you, know my stage, you know my stage Let them know, do your thing, dog Keep it live To the beach, y'all